It's almost a podcast. I would wear a mask in the house, especially in the shower, because frankly, droplets can make their way through the drain and come up through somebody else's toilet, infecting them with COVID through the anus. In two to five to 20 years, we can start thinking about reopening, but probably not. I would avoid having any fun whatsoever in the near to far future. With your hosts, Van Rollington. Blah, 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 climate change. Blah, 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 you're terrible. Blah, 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 how dare you. Blah, blah, blah. And Lane Bowlington. We like to claim we like justice and shit, but we're fucking animals. We want blah, blah, blah. Special guest, the always YouTube compliant, Man Juju. Fuck, fuck, you, fucking Fauci, you fucking fuck, you fucking fuck. Fauci, you motherfucker. Watching that video makes me, whoo, makes me so happy. I want to take a little person by the head, hold him up in the air, take the he's a like this over and over and over again. I just want to see his his head. It's unbelievable. And then when he's laying on the ground, I'm going to why? Because I like it that's why listener discretion is advised wow i'm hyped cheers to that cheers to that <laughs> i actually haven't heard that for a while since i did it that was a while ago it's one of my favorite <laughs> man juju quotes yeah that's a pretty good one especially the end where i jack off on his face for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. yeah for those hey. listening you should probably check that video out yeah, well, um, welcome back to It's Almost a Podcast. We have a very special guest. We have Man Juju. He's a growing YouTuber, does videos on fitness, rants on random shit from Demi Lovato to the CDC, white woman, you name it. He always <laughs> has something entertaining to say. And he's been increasingly censored for being a controversial figure. I have. It's a bummer. <laughs> so what's going on with that, dude? Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I don't talk about them, but I've, I've sort of gone down this road before I had a couple other quite popular channels back in the day. I started separately and they were pretty good. I had 80,000 subs on one and like 40 on another. And, um, then I sort of got tired with social media. So I just abandoned, I deleted everything. And then I wasn't on any social media at all for quite a long time. And then all this stuff with COVID and everything started happening. And I was like, I kind of feel like I need to be back online. I still don't have social media, but YouTube, I don't really consider that necessarily social media, but um, it's a good outlet. So I started making content again, maybe a, a little bit less than a year ago. And so I was expecting what you always expect, you know, if you have, if you're okay at it, and if you can build an audience, there's usually a steady sort of growth arc that you always tend to see. And so I was used to seeing or expecting some type of arc and everything was going normal. It's, it's steady. Then you have a video that really hits and it dips and it, but it keeps averaging up. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it went from like, I, I mean, just as a comparison, like at one point, 
so I've got a couple thousand subscribers now. It's still a very small channel, obviously, but you know, I had maybe 400 subs or 500 subs and I had videos, they were probably averaging a thousand up to 30,000 per view, uh, per video. Now I have 2000 subscribers and I'm averaging like 300. I mean, it's just, they completely put the brakes on everything. The more I started talking about transgender issues, uh, especially once I started talking about Biden and the CDC, then they really started ha- not only shadow banning me, but strikes, warnings, um, putting uh, uh, extra barriers to entry. So now a lot of my videos, you can click on it, but you have to um, say I'm over 18. One guy messaged me a couple of days ago and he was like, I'm in the UK and I can't even view your video. <laughs> it was my video I just did a couple of, yeah, it was my video I just did a couple of days ago. Um just sort of exposing the Australian lockdowns a little bit. Mm, so I'm not saying, yeah. by the way, I'm not saying anything crazy. I, I'm generally I'm usually showing existing news clips from Australian media or whatever. And yeah, I mean they just they ban you, they shut that shit down hard they don't want to hear it it's, it's a bummer holy shit dude when um i started noticing that with your channel i wouldn't even get notifications of your videos being uh your new videos being posted i would have to look you up in order to see the, like if you've updated anything yeah yeah i mean according to the stats now it's like okay you got two thousand subscribers so basically what none of them want to see the content they've subscribed to it doesn't make you know at, at the very least if half of them <laughs> If half of them saw that you'd posted a new content, you might think, or 30% of them, it's more like 2%. You know, it's like, so the other 98% aren't interested in the content they subscribe to. It's really funny. So I recently, it's not, you know, it's not nearly as popular, but just in anticipation of being banned from YouTube, I already, I just created a Rumble account and I got that up and going. It took me like three weeks to get all my videos up on there. So now I'm sort of uploading at the same time, one on YouTube and the same day I'll do one on Rumble. Nice. But that's pretty cool. I, um, I'm assuming you don't get an, as the same amount of views in Rumble as you do in YouTube. So how have you been handling that? Yeah, not even a little bit. I mean, you just have to like, you got to, I think it's what a lot of people find frustrating about content is, um, I've, you know, I've gone down this road a few times, so I'm used to it, but you have to know that like, if you start something, it's going to take years, like, especially like I'm, I'm in my mid forties. So, you know, but you know, these kids today, you know, like <laughs> they all want shit. Like, cause you hear these crazy numbers, like, Oh, I've got a million subscribers. Like you don't realize how insane that is. Like when I had other channels and stuff where I've got like 40,000 subscribers, that's an arena of people. That's an unbelievable amount of people. So we get so desensitized cause you hear these insane numbers, but really if you're able, if you are able to build a following, you have a little bit of charisma or you're funny or whatever it is you're selling on YouTube, it's, it's years, you know, like I started listening to Joe Rogan, for example, he's obviously everyone knows about him now, but I started listening to him in like 2009, maybe when he was like in his apartment with (laughs) Brian Redband and no one was listening. Um, And everyone talks about him being this beast now and he just, you know, $120 million contract, but that was a decade. That was a decade of work and a guy who already had, you know, celebrity status in a couple other areas um, and who was a millionaire who could buy a studio and pay guests and get Neil deGrasse Tyson on. I mean, and even that was like a 10 year journey to becoming this like monolith that he is now. So, you know, with Rumble, it's the same thing. Uh, I, I'm not excited about being on Rumble. The 
interface isn't as nice. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to get used to it a little bit, but, uh, you know, it'll be, <laughs> I just spent a year building my YouTube up. So it'll be another year trying to get rumble going. I'm sure I'll just keep doing both in tandem though. It's okay. Yeah. My plan with lane was, um, we want to begin a YouTube, but I told her that, um, to follow the guidelines of YouTube, we are probably going to have to censor a lot of our episodes. So the promotion will be like, Hey, you can watch this on YouTube, but you should actually come to our Spotify and listen to us uncensored. So yeah. I'm hoping that uh, eventually we get a rumble or something like that. And then we can migrate people and be like, Hey, this is nice, but you should hear the uncensored version on, on this platform. Yeah, the place where I always get caught, especially lately. So I'm one strike away from being banned from YouTube. And like saying that, it's like, Jesus, what are you putting on YouTube? Like nothing. So yeah. where I get into trouble is I'll pull content from YouTube and then react to it on my channel. And then they'll say that that content has violated the YouTube guidelines. I'm like, well, but I got it off YouTube. Yeah. So why would I, why would I think that I shouldn't have it on YouTube? I pulled it off fucking YouTube. And so... I have no way to predict, you know, in one case, um, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I found this great video. <laughs> there was this, it was totally random and it's a few years old, but it was so fucking awesome. Um, there was this older black school teacher in his sixties and he was scolding this student politely because he didn't have his, he didn't have his uniform on. He was supposed to have a uniform on in class. Apparently, I guess this is in the United States. And the kid is about 14 years old and the kid starts calling the teacher an inward this inward that, and he gets in his face and he's puffing his chest and he's pushing, he's assaulting this teacher, this poor 60 something year old black teacher, war veteran, you know, fucking hero. And he's calling the inward. He throws a basketball at him. I mean, it's, it's insane. And the teacher's waiting for security to shows up. He's not getting any help. Um, Finally, security does show up. It's this, you know, overweight white girl who's just completely incapable of handling the situation. You have a violent teenager threatening and assaulting a, a teacher. And it got to the point where the teacher was backed against the wall and like basically decided I either need to do something or this is going to keep escalating. So <laughs> this guy lays out this 14 year old. He's like, what's up? And then just lays into him and just turns it into a full on fight. And throws the kid around and, you know, ends up, you know, doesn't, doesn't kill the kid or anything, but. As know, he beat the kid up. <laughs> yeah. And so I posted that video. It was on like Fox News, CNN, like local LA, whatever. And I posted it and I react to it. And I was like, good. Fuck this kid. He's a piece of shit. You know, 14 year old kids need to be get put on their ass once in a while. Right. As a young male, I've been a young 14 year old. You're fucking retarded. So, um, Anyway, this kid gets leveled. I say, yay. The school, uh, the guy loses his job. The school starts a GoFundMe campaign for the guy. They raise, because the guy was like, had legal trouble. Like they were saying he assaulted a minor and might go to prison. I'm like, this is insane. Um, the charges end up getting dropped. The GoFundMe rate paid for everything. And they let him retire early with paid, uh, you know, whatever it is teachers get. Mm -hmm. Um, um so then they said my channel was showing um, child abuse. And I was like, <laughs> so, they, so then they gave me a strike. They said I was showing child abuse. And I was like, well, but I got it off. I got it off. So in my, because you can appeal. So in my appeal, I posted like 10 links of where it's currently on YouTube. 
I said, I pulled it off Channel 7 News. That's where I got it from. And so I, of course, sarcastically knowing they're not going to, I say, well, I assume you're going to pull it from all of these media sites. Fox right. Media. Yeah. Yeah. No, they just give me a strike and it's, I could send you a link to it right now. You could watch the whole video. It's insane. That tells so. you they, it's not about the content. It's about the fucking message. Yeah. <laughs> you know, news corporations and all that, they get special treatment on YouTube, whereas content creators, they basically have to like stick with a different set of rules for uploading things yeah yeah don lemon can say joe rogan's taking horse dewormer yeah you know like, <laughs> yeah. And no one says anything but if i say anything about if i even say the word i don't even say it now if i say Iver, meh, yeah. Then, yeah. then my video gets pulled you know for you know fake news um uh, false covid claims or whatever whatever arbitrary thing they want to claim i i actually had one they gave me one strike on one of my videos because I was criticizing Fauci and I was using references and stats from the CDC that I had put together. And they pulled the video and said false information regarding COVID. So I appealed and I gave them all the links from the CDC. And I, it's the only appeal to this day I've ever won. Holy so I won shit. it. They, I won it. They put the video back up and 90 days later, they pulled it again. They just pulled it again. So I appealed again and I said, I already won this appeal. Why are you pulling this? Here's the original email from YouTube saying, we've yeah. gone over the information you sent. We've decided you're not giving false information. I gave all that and all the original links from the CDC's website. And they're still like, nah, it's okay. We're going to go ahead and just, we're going to go ahead and ban this video anyway. So then that gets pulled. And then most of the stuff I have on my website, it's just demonetized anyway. Not that you're going to make a million dollars off YouTube videos monetization, but it's either demonetized and it's up or it's not up because they're pulling it or it's up and demonetized and there's a must be 18 or older. But I, I also, every video I have on my site, because I swear, um, only because I swear, uh, I have everything set to um, not for children. So I, I'm not posting material that kids would be kids under 18 or 14, whatever the number is would be seeing in the first place. So I'm not, I'm not a total irresponsible lunatic you know <laughs> where i'm right. saying content fuck in front of three-year-olds so there's legit pedophilia on fucking youtube easily yeah. <laughs> accessible and that shit's there like it's, yeah that's insane how many yeah. appeals have you had dude um four four in total yeah. and what were the other ones oh, i'd have to look i just did a video on it a few weeks ago um the child was one cdc was one joe rogan versus fauci was one <laughs> and then um Sophia Eurista a couple weeks ago the video never made it on YouTube it's on Rumble <laughs> um she did a video she's i she's this very beautiful mixed uh singer she does cover songs and she was doing um she like raps but also does rock and everything mm -hmm. um she was on stage and for what this is on stage, I forget what state it was in. Thousands of people in front of her, of course, some of whom are under 18, and she's doing her thing on stage. And she gets a guy to come up on stage. By the way, heroic effort <laughs> while singing, while rapping, she takes her pants down, squats over this guy's face, and pisses in his mouth. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that video. Yeah. yeah. Well done, Sophia. So I pull the video from YouTube, which is where I saw it. I repost it on mine. I do a reaction to it. 
I talk shit. I'm like, if I would have done this, I'd be in fucking prison for indecent exposure. Why is she able to do this? And 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 also, by the way, how gross are American women, which is always an ongoing trend in my <laughs> on my yeah. channel. And uh, they pull it and say that I'm. Um, I don't know what the generic response was, but basically that I was showing nudity. And I, again, I was like, well, you can't see any of, you can't see any of her genitals. You see her hip, you know, from the side, you don't see anything. Um, and I also got it from YouTube. So again, I gave them, I gave them the link that I originally got it from. It's still up. It's not up on mine. They pulled my whole thing and gave me another strike and pulled me, pulled me from YouTube for two or three weeks. I couldn't post anything. So holy shit for um, when they take out your video again and you um, argue with them, do they respond back or you never get a response from a human being. So the first appeal is automatic. Usually the algorithm flags uh-huh. it or something. Um, then you appeal and it says it goes to a person. But the response you get is just a link from their policy guidelines. There's no human response like, oh, thanks for there's none of that. It's just a copy from their guidelines pasted into an email and sent. And it just says something generic like fake news. But it doesn't say it is fake because it's not true. Mm. Here's why it's not true. It's just we think it's fake news. It's just like uh, what's Facebook doing now? They're like banned. Like if you say on Facebook now um, that vaccinated people can also spread COVID. It's immediately pulled as being false information, even though that's true. Of course it's true. (laughs) Of course it's true. It's true because we all know people who've done it. It's true because the CDC has said it. It's true because the world health organization has said it. It's true because Fauci has said it, but Facebook's like, no, it's fake. So it's like, okay, that's their platform. I guess they can run it how they want. Cunts. I know, right? <laughs> Fucking cunts. Yeah. <laughs> if you, what, what do you think has to change about these algorithms? What, what can we do to make them better? Uh, well, at the end of the day, I always tell people this. I mean, at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters, because you, whether I'm for it or not, YouTube can do whatever the fuck it wants. You know, it's that's their church. If their church wants to spit whatever, that's fine. If you go to a Christian or a Catholic church, that's their church. They can say, yes, we believe in a dead Jew. And yes, the cracker actually turns into meat and you're eating the body of the dead Jew. It's like, okay, that's a weird setup, but good for you. You know, then you go to a Muslim church or a you know different temple. Everybody's got their thing. And I think everyone should be able to have their thing. Um, if you want to push back on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and all these groups, you just have to do what I'm doing which is I don't have Facebook. I don't have Twitter. I don't have, I don't have anything. All I have is YouTube and now rumble. And so the only way really in America to enact change is to vote with your dollar, or in this case with your subscription. Um, and people who complain about Twitter, but are on Twitter, I don't understand. You know, if, if millions of people left Twitter tomorrow, their policies would be different by Friday. 100 mm-hmm. percent they have a wow. they have a they have a board to respond to you know they can't lose billions of dollars you know over the course of 30 days and just be like well this is our new business model to lose billions of dollars no 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 it's it's at the end of the day you can be as woke as you want but when those dollars start disappearing from your bank account <laughs> they absolutely <laughs> they absolutely will make some changes you know totally. so 
it's the only it's the only way to push people in a particular direction is with with your dollar so it's uh, fuckers that's what they're doing with the um where i'm from now there's a a vaccine mandate now for your job are, you, are you in illinois yeah. yeah we're in chicago oh shit i used to live in schaumburg oh nice i i remember like i actually I follow you in a different name, and I had responded to one of your comments, and I, I think I asked you where you're from or something, and you did tell me you were from Illinois. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what what made yeah. you leave? Well, the everything about the Illinois. Everything, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I've lived I lived all over. Um, I was born in I don't want to say where I was born, but uh, farm town in between Chicago and like Champaign, mm. basically. Mm. So a whole lot of nothing. It was like farmhouse, mile, farmhouse, mile, farmhouse. Um, nothing there, no culture, no opportunity, really. And um, I was always very artistic and creative and knew what I wanted to do for money. And it had nothing to do with what was around me. So I moved out when I was 17, went to Chicago and hustled there, was sort of homeless and broke for a long time. And then started making inroads in that industry, wrote my first book by the time I was 20 and sort of kicked off after that and kept going, kept going, kept going. Um, and then just traveled a lot after that. I was in St. Louis. I was in San Diego, LA. I lived in Asia for a very long time. I was in London for a few minutes, um, back to LA. Um, and then I've been in the, you know, like Vegas. Now I'm staying with some family in the American Southwest while I try to buy a house. Um, somewhere else but <laughs> holy shit Let, let's rewind a second your first book what fucking book was that uh yeah i don't want to say but i i work in a tech field um doing visual effects for hollywood film i'll say nice oh shit so, okay yeah um so it's, it's nice uh being able to be like your own boss yeah i mean i basically i work for my own, let's see, how do I put it? <laughs> you're you're commission-based, like, uh, contractor. Yeah, based. I mean, so my whole life I've worked for studios. You've 100%, you've seen movies I've worked on, which is part of the reason why I try to stay as, you know, on one hand, you can see my face, but I'm not trying to be fucking famous. I don't want people to know my name or anything. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, I've worked on films. You've seen um, many of them for sure. And uh yeah, so I've been in that field for since I was about 19. So I'm in my 40s. Um, so for a very long time, I, I'm an autodidact. I never went to school for any of this. I'm self-taught on virtually every subject. And then, um, yeah, that was my. So I, anyway, I wrote a book on some of that software, um, and then that, you know, that was a <laughs> that was a funny experience because I, you know, I I was a horrible student. Went to school. I was sort of a D student my whole life, mostly because I didn't like school. Um, couldn't pass English. Could, I mean, couldn't pass anything really. And here I am like at 19 trying to write a, <laughs> like a 600 page book on like technical software and like all this other stuff, which is kind of funny. But uh, yeah. Tell us more about your, cause I'm fascinated by the fact that you're an autodidact. So tell us more about okay, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've sort of got a few, you know, everybody's got unique qualities that benefit them. I've got some that are great for me. I've got others about myself that are just a total barriers and stop me from being successful. <laughs> but, uh, um, 
Yeah, virtually everything in my life, I'm self-taught. It's just I don't. I've never really understood the point of school. It seems like a waste of time. Information is free, um, and not only is information free, but um, the more free information gets, the more people in colleges charge for it, which is fucking insane. It's like yeah. the more information I have access to, the more you're going to charge me for that free shit, which is insane. You know, like since the 90s, the cost of college has increased something like 800 percent the rate of inflation. I mean, it's just it's a completely ludicrous thing. So I get I get into subjects and if I decide I want to know it up to a professional level, it just seems pretty easy to do and a little bit of effort on my part. And um, it doesn't matter if it's jujitsu or a technical field or being fascinated by neuroscience or physics or anything else. I just seem to be able to pick stuff up pretty quick. And um, it's one, it's one of the reasons why with my channel, I'm able to just turn a mic on and for 20 minutes until I feel like stopping. I can just seem to be able to recall stats and numbers and names and quotes. And I, I, I seem to just be able to have all that stuff on hand whenever I need it. Um, so I'm pretty fortunate, I guess, for that. But, you know, on the flip side, my brain works that way. But like, you know, I don't really, you know, it's hard for me to sit and read a book necessarily. I work better listening to lectures versus reading books. Um, so, you know, you just got to, it took me a while to navigate how my brain sort of absorbs information. But What do you like to learn about? What are your favorite things to learn about? Sorry. Uh I think physics is probably the the thing I listen to the most, but physics, philosophy, religion are like three big, three big topics uh, that I, I mean, on a daily basis, I'm probably listening to some lecture on one of those three or all three, uh, just learning or absorbing, or I'll, or I'll be listening to a debate. I love listening to debates. Debates on religion are very interesting. I've got some like superhero, like Sam uh, Harris. I've got quotes from neuroscientists on my ribs. Like I'm so into it. I have tattoos. Tell us a quote. Yeah. The quote is, uh, (laughs) uh, faith is the permission people give to one another when reason and logic fail. Um, And it was just a throwaway comment during a Sam Harris lecture, like, you know, 10 years ago when he was debating religion uh, with somebody. But, uh, Amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm weird. <laughs> no, that that's really fucking cool, dude. You had mentioned to me that you are Buddhist and an atheist. How does that even yeah. work? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel a little bit embarrassed sometimes saying I'm Buddhist, even though I would probably say I, I probably am. Um, if I was, you know, gun to my head, pick a religion. What are you? It's like, okay, I'm a Buddhist. Um, <laughs> That's probably where I would fall for sure. Um, but Buddhism does well. I, broader topic. So, Eastern Eastern religions don't have don't treat religion or philosophy the way Western religions do. So, Western religions tell you what to do. Eastern religions tell you how to be, and those are two very different things. So, Christianity and Islam tell you what to do. This is what you need to do. And if you don't do these, these are the repercussions for it. Um, Buddhism has no concept really of repercussion. They just say, these are great ways to live your life. And if you don't do any of them, it's okay. There's no real, (laughs) 
there's no real punishment and you get as many tries at life anyway. And it doesn't matter how many it takes you. And there's no God in Buddhism. Buddha is just a word that means enlightened one. Um, the last Buddha, his actual name was Gautama. Um, his last name, I'm not going to try and say. It's a very long Indian name. But uh, Gautama Buddha was sort of the last, you know, proper Buddha, short of like the Dalai Lama. Um, but he's not a god. And when he died, he died. There's no, you're not praying to any god. There's no book in Buddhism. There's, there's nothing about Buddhism that is going to punish you for failing. And no matter how many times you've failed up until this moment, it doesn't even matter because the concept of judging you for failing isn't even in Buddhism. You shouldn't be judging people in the first place. Christians say that, but Buddhists actually do it. So Christians talk shit about not judging, but their whole faith is about judging. Everything about Christianity is we're going to literally judge you. We're going to judge you. Your neighbors are going to judge you. There's all kinds of rules in the Bible about literally judging you. <laughs> um, did you have sex? Are you a virgin? Like a million different things about it that are about judging. And then at the end, God judges you. And Buddhism and you know, Buddhism is just an offshoot of Hindu faith, but there's no concept of really of you being judged. And no, I could, no matter what I did yesterday, it doesn't matter because in Buddhism, the only thing that really matters is right now, this moment. And mm. that's all you have is this moment. And now this moment and now this moment, and it doesn't matter what I did yesterday. So there's no God in Buddhism and there's no judgment per se. There's just ways to live your life um, in a positive way. So what would be the difference then with atheism? Well, atheism isn't, uh, atheism isn't a belief system. It's a non-belief system. So it's a weird word. Like there's no word for not believing in tooth fairies, right? There's not, there's not a tooth fairyism. It's just, you just don't believe in tooth fairies. So atheism is just, yeah, I don't believe in that. That's it. That's it's full stop. Buddhism is a system uh, or a philosophy, although I've talked to monks about that and they don't like the word philosophy necessarily, but um, it's just a philosophy on a very positive way to live your life. And, uh, you know, I always say this about Buddhism and like Christianity. I pick on Christianity and Islam a little bit, um, but I've also lived in Muslim parts of the world. I grew up in North America. I'm fairly well versed on some of these subjects, but uh you know, people are always sort of surprised, like, well, how are Muslims turning the Quran into violent scripture? Or how did Christians turn the Bible into violent acts, you know, in the 600s and the, um, during the Crusades or whatever? And I, I always point out, like, you know, if, if you could somehow take an island of people that, that had no culture, they had no religion, no anything, you could put all these people on an island, they don't know anything, they're just a blank slate. And on one of these islands, you dropped the Quran or the Bible. And on another island, you dropped um, Buddhist scripture. And you just left them for 2,000 years. And you came back 2,000 years later. Now, if you came back to the island with the Quran or the Bible 2,000 years later, and they were cutting each other's heads off and stoning women or had these very aggressive rules, it wouldn't really be that big of a shock. It would be like, well, I could see how they would get that. But if you came back to the island where you dropped off the Buddhist scripture and they were cutting each other's heads off and stoning people to death, it wouldn't make any sense because that concept is impossible. It's impossible in Buddhism. There is nowhere in the faith 
it's not a faith, but there's nowhere in the teaching that would even allow for something like that. So it's not a big shock to me when I see Christians doing what they're doing or Muslims doing what they're doing because all of those things are in the book somewhere. So, Do people call you Islamophobic? Um, no, it's not really never been an issue. I mean, I lived in a Muslim part of the world for a very long time. and How was that? Um, well, it, yeah, if anything, where I was living, I mean, there were places where I might go where they wouldn't serve me food because I'm an infidel or um, how? yeah, I mean, even, even on polite versions of Islam, you know, like I, you know, I was at an office, right? So we had, I couldn't put my silverware in the kitchen near Muslims dishware. So I, they had to have like, my stuff had to be in its own container. Um, they're, they don't want their stuff in the refrigerator touching your shit, you know, <laughs> Holy not, shit. not necessarily in like a, I mean, it's not good. It doesn't make you feel good, but not necessarily in a racist or mean way. It's just, that's the book. That's their faith. It's, you know, they, their stuff is halal, which for Jews would be kosher. Um, and so they don't want their halal things touching your dirty non-halal things. Um, but, but, you know, the one things I like about Muslims is they actually have the courage of their fucking faith. They will say, Look, man, it's in the book, so I'm not doing it. And they mean it. Whereas your average Christian is such a fucking phony. Um, like they believe, but not really. Not really. They don't believe enough to not have sex or not eat certain food or not say certain things or not judge their neighbor. They'll do all of those things and say they're a Christian, which is bullshit. Muslims are way more serious about their faith on average than Christians are. Muslims will stop in the middle of the fucking street in a Muslim state because it's time to pray and they'll face the right direction and they'll drop on their fucking knees and they all have a permanent, you know, discoloration on their forehead from praying their whole life from their forehead, touching the floor, it develops no a callus. Yeah. So they're serious and I'm not Muslim. I've read the Quran, but I'm not Muslim, but I respect the fact that that's their faith and they actually, they actually believe in it. They actually believe in what the book says the the average christian what they do is they go well we don't really the old testament well and it's just all these excuses well of course sodom yes you know like there's it's non-stop excuse after excuse after excuse or they figure out a way yes now you can dance masturbation's kind of okay well if your wife's not a virgin of course we're not really going to stone her to death on your father's doorstep you know they have all these like crazy things, you know, yes, Jesus did say uh, rich, per rich people can't go to heaven. Actually, what he said was, uh, what is it? A camel is more likely to pass through the eye of a needle than a wealthy person is ever going to go to heaven. Yeah, but he still loves everybody, even though he <laughs> says he doesn't want rich people to go to heaven. It's like, okay. You know, then there's the sword verse where Jesus talks about not bringing peace, but bringing a sword and like Based? all this other shit. They'll make excuses for all of it, which is fine, but Muslims fucking believe what is in the book and they live by it for the most part. So props to them. I respect it. Why do you think there's such a drastic difference in Western and Eastern at, um, attitudes towards religion? Um, I love Eastern religion. I was very impacted by a lot of that. It's, um, 
it's a much healthier way to be. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to guess. Um, Christianity is a lot younger. Islam is way younger. Um, so, you know, Buddhism, you're talking about 6,000 year old religions. The Hindu faith is, you know, who knows how old. Um, so I don't know. In, in a lot of ways, they're not even necessarily religions in the same way. Like Hinduism is fascinating because they have a shitload of gods. Like, like there's gods all over the place. There's gods you, don't, you haven't even heard of yet. They're all over the place. It's beautiful. It's part of the culture. It's, I mean, you can't even be Hindu without really being Indian, smelling the food, wearing the clothes, being, you know, in that part of the world, being like a Hindu in Florida wouldn't really make sense. It's so much more, it's so much more than a book. It's this entire entirety way of life. Um, yeah, it's a really sweet, endearing way of being, you know, if you're in Thailand, you're traveling through Southeast Asia Buddhists are sort of just beautiful, calm, amazing people and everybody's sweet and everybody's nice and it becomes part of the culture and there's actual Buddhist monks walking around and they're shuffling around in their cool little orange robes with their shaved heads and you're giving them food and it's a very charming, sweet, nice way to be. Um, it's sort of unfortunate that it's such a small amount of the world, to be honest, um, it seems it seems to me anyway to be a much more fulfilling way to live your life and um i was talking to a chinese buddhist one time and he was from malaysia and he actually had grown up christian which was sort of bizarre considering where he was from and he became a buddhist like later in his life like in his late 40s and 50s and i asked him i was like well how did how in the world did you be Christian for like 45 years and then you became Buddhist. And what was the catalyst for that? And he said, you know, I just realized like my whole life, everything about Christianity was me asking for things or asking for help or having faith in something. And then you just sort of sit back and hope it happens. He's, and if it doesn't happen, you say, well, you got to have faith. And he's like, okay you know and you do that for decades and decades and decades and he he said you know with buddhism it actually gives you the tools to improve the quality of your life um, through whether it's meditation or how you act or how you speak um, there's very few there's very few actual rules in buddhism but the few that there are are mostly philosophies and if you do them it is hard it is hard to make enemies. It is hard to have a worse life <laughs> um, when you have such a middle way. I'm not sure what language even to use. A lot of Buddhism is like the middle way. There's just, there's not really extreme. So when you get rid of extreme behavior, extreme judgment, extreme anything, you just have this calm sort of easy way about you and uh, it's nice. And then meditation is a huge part of improving the quality of your life as well. So Christianity doesn't have any of that. Christianity has rules. Take the cracker, take the wine, do the 10 things. Don't fuck the girl. Now you can fuck the girl. You fuck the girl. Now you got to <laughs> apologize for fucking the girl. It's all of this stuff, but none of that actually makes your life any better. It's just rules, rules, rules. It's really crazy. So. Holy shit! Sorry, that was a long. No, long that <laughs> that was that was great, dude. 
So then what do you take from the atheism? with Because um, you, mm. you describe yourself as both, but it sounds like a, um, they cancel each other out, you know? It seems like it from a Western perspective, but Buddhism isn't a religion per se. Hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's a religion, but it, there's no deity. So what is it? There's there, what is it you're believing in? No, no, no. It, I it, meant like, why not just call yourself a Buddhist? Why do you have to call yourself also an atheist? Okay. Isn't um, it easier to just say you're a Buddhist? Yeah. Well, there's aspects of Buddhism that I jump where I jump off the ship. Like um, what? You know, my version of Buddhism is basically the original Buddhist teachings, which is just a few rules on how to live your life. Culturally, that has turned into a lot of other things that people just add stuff to it. Like, well, what about ghosts? And what about all these other things? And what about reincarnation? And um, that's where I get off the ship. A lot of that is more Eastern, depending on what country you're in. Chinese Buddhists have different man-made ideas than Thai Buddhists. There's um, Theravada, there's Mahayana Buddhism, but all that, is, all that to me, that's not really Buddhism. That's just people adding culture and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm on board. I'm on board with like Buddhism 1.0, right? Got, okay, Where, got it. You know, we're, um, you know, but but where I where I where I then where I then say, okay, but I actually I'm an atheist. First of all, Buddhism has no deity, but then also. It's important for people to know a huge part of my personality is, no, I don't believe in the dead Jew in the sky. You know, that's insane. You know, like your whole religion is based on a human sacrifice, which is crazy. I mean, it's completely insane. Like, we're going to murder this one guy and then everyone's going to be cool afterwards. It's like, oh, did that work? Well, not really, but we're still going to do it. Yay. You know, it's really insane. Um, Muslims have a lot of crazy shit. They think you know, uh, Muhammad cracked the moon in half and flew to heaven on a winged horse. It's like, all right. It's just like the Avengers movie now at this point. So that's where I tap out and I, I have to ridicule pretty aggressively religion. So I'm, I'm on board with people believing what they believe, but I also think a lot of harm comes to the world because of those beliefs. Even, even in North America or the United States, Christians don't see themselves as, as being extreme. And yet we could never have a president that's not Christian. That's extreme. That's insane. If, if we had, you know, the Albert Einstein of politics with the social skills of Oprah running for president, if they were Muslim, they wouldn't get voted in to be president. Why? Because they're not qualified? No, because they have to be Christian. And I think that's insane. It's a type of bigotry and a type of extremism that doesn't help anybody. It's like we're... You know, Donald Trump has to pretend to be Christian. You know, Barack Obama has to suddenly start going to church the whole year before he runs for president. So he can even though he's not a religious person. Um, so real. I don't like that. I, I don't I don't think that does anybody any service um, to have to do that. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you were going to say something, Van. I saw it. Oh, earlier with the first wave. Uh, so you're a first wave Buddhist. I'm a first wave feminist, you know, you guys can not, you know, you can have some rights, but, uh, you know, everything else after that, mm, I got to disagree. Today I'm walling. <laughs> I'm just going to drink. I'm, I'm all for I just did a video uh, a couple of days ago about how women are fucking things up just as bad as the men. So like it I hasn't made that. any, 
It hasn't made any difference. I was stunned because I was curious about, I was like, well, how many female mayors are there? And then I just picked California because it's a big state. The whole state is like female mayors. It's like there's one, there's one governor and it's a dude. But like after that, it's just hose all the way down from the north to the south. And uh, nothing's gotten any better. I saw some people in Australia commenting on my video. They're like, well, our, you know, they have a female prime minister and they're like, it's one of the worst countries <laughs> right now in the world to be in. Okay. Um, Kamala Harris is obviously a shit show. Um, oh, yeah. so. I'm, I'm sure it's going to get worse because, you know, in like 10, 20 years, we're just going to have a bunch of e-girls who ran for office. I guess they never miss, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah. So I'm pro-woman. I think women, you know, I'm not... Even saying pro-women doesn't even make sense. I just think everyone should be able to do whatever they want. But uh, it's the idea that it's going to be better necessarily if, if only Hillary Clinton was president. You know, it's like, now, nah, you know, everyone's sort of the same. The system sort of, met, the system fucks up everybody equally. It corrupts all of them because you can't get anything done unless you're corrupt. You know, it's just... Yeah. It's a shit show. No, when they say diversity, they usually just mean, oh, we just need to check off a few demographic boxes on this candidate yeah. or whatnot, but uh, they never think about uh, diversity of thought. Yeah, that's one where they they absolutely will remain as bigoted as possible. <laughs> it's just like Kamala Harris the other day when she was talking to Charlemagne the God. First of all, change your name, Charlemagne, stop saying that. But um, And she goes, don't ask questions like a Republican. Ugh. Oh. Fuck you. Fuck you. Half the country. You just shit on 50% of the entire country. You know what I mean? So she, I don't know. She's an idiot. She's got the charisma of a hammer. She just, she shouldn't be there. Um, yeah, she's unfortunate. <laughs> she's unfortunate. And as much as I don't like Joe Biden, I kind of hope he keeps hobbling along like a wounded bird until the last day because if he goes she's gonna be president Dude. which is crazy oh, <laughs> everyone's like fuck joe biden i'm like yeah also though if he goes away if he falls down a flight of stairs on tuesday we're fucked because wednesday she's gonna be president of the united states oh my god you know a part of me would want to see how bad this bitch would fuck up for real <laughs> like i want to yeah. see her struggle she's already struggling you know and it's yeah. so fucking funny and i i really want to see like this the stupid shit that she would do. Yeah. Oh, God. We got a crazy system where, like, the lady who couldn't pull anybody, like, she pulled at, like, 1% in her home state is now the vice president of the entire country. It's like, how does somebody who pulled at basically zero, who was immediately removed from the running, who was calling Joe Biden... Uh, Pedophile? Know, what she, was it? Yeah, I don't know words she was using, but she was, de- she was definitely saying he should be investigated <laughs> yeah um then it's like i mean i guess i'll be vice president okay. we it's did like, it joe <laughs> like fuck you lady he's entitled to his opinion <laughs> yeah no uh once again you know there was just some boxes to check off and she was fortunate enough to have uh all the right boxes <laughs> yeah it's crazy how he wore that on his sleeve too He's like, I'm going to pick a woman of color. I don't care about her yeah, qualifications. Like, I'm going to pick a woman. It's like, damn, why don't you, did you look at the resume? Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Fuck, no. Right. Like, if but I, I haven't looked woman, into it, but I'm also on. hearing shit now where like California is getting rid of D and F grades. I haven't looked into it. So oh, I don't really? know how real that is. That's depressing. Yeah, that is very depressing. 
yeah, that, it's, it's depressing because that has a cultural impact and Americans are so fucking goddamn soft now anyway. And that's only going to make it worse. And you have like China's beating the fuck out of us, you know, Monday through Friday and twice on Sunday, they're beating the fuck out of us across the board. And they should be because they're working hard. You know, it's like, I'm not for, I'm not for their policies. I've been to China. I've been to Taiwan. Um, but you know, like in 2019, China graduated more engineers just that year than the entire United States has engineers. And, Holy shit. and on, on average, they're producing something like 10 times as many computer scientists as we are in any given fucking year. Meanwhile, we're spitting out fucking these losers with like lesbian dance theory degrees and like all this bullshit with like, <laughs> Like, what did you study? You know, you blue-haired twat. You have nothing to contribute. They're going to beat the fuck out of us for the next 20 years because they're graduating people with real skills. And yeah, maybe they're stealing some of our tech, but okay, whatever. We're not I mean, using there, it, so. Yeah, I mean, they're hustling. They're getting that shit done, you know. Their middle class is exploding, you know, through the fucking roof. And uh, ours is going the other direction. And, you know. I was actually, yeah. this brings me back to an earlier question that I had. I, I wanted to know how Middle Eastern countries see us. Because we think, you know, they, they are all sexist and, and they're below us. You know what I mean? There's this like very elitist um, point of view here in America. I love, I love Middle Eastern people. I have friends right now in Pakistan and uh, uh, Iraq as well. I love Persians. Uh, I think they're amazing people. They're some of the most fun, exciting, colorful people I've ever been around in my life. They seem it's it's one of those things where it's almost like a stereotype, like a Saturday Night Live skit. But like you go around and you'll be around these Persian people and everything's like, my friend, my friend, like they're just so fucking nice all the time. And, it, you know, then you come back from like you're around that. You know, where like someone will actually invite you into their house for dinner and not really know you like create like stuff that from an American perspective would be insane. Like imagine inviting a stranger to your house like for dinner. Um, and then you come back to the United States and everyone's just a fucking cunt. Everyone's mad. You know, everyone's mad. No one's happy. They hate everybody. They hate their neighbor. Like everything's so negative and depressing. And you see that because. You know, I don't know what the stats are now. I haven't read it for a long time, but like how many Americans are on SSRIs or anti-depression medication or are seeing a therapist or, you know, like, or just that lady that just flipped out on a fucking Delta flight 48 hours ago and spit on the old guy for not wearing his mask. And like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know? So from... It depends where you're at in the Middle East. From my perspective of knowing people who are Middle Eastern, they don't care that much. Um, and they're just happy living their life. And short of being in the countries that we're bombing, where I'm sure they just fucking hate our guts, because obviously, <laughs> you know, if you're a Syrian right now, you know, and we're dropping fucking, or uh, if you're an Afghani right now, and we just, drone striked a fucking family for no fucking reason you know two months ago and the news doesn't even care about it 
You know, we killed this guy, his entire family for no reason, and then lied about it for a month and said it was a righteous strike. And of course, you know, fuck you. You know, if I was from that country, I would be like double bird to the United States for the rest of my fucking life. So the ones that don't like the U.S., I'm sympathetic. And the ones that do are usually in neighboring countries that aren't feeling the effects of our, you know, authoritarianism (laughs) and long reach into their country so what else do these colorful persian people do i'm fascinated i'm just shook that they invite strangers and i can't imagine doing that you can't do it i wouldn't be able to we invite strangers on the podcast all the time what are you talking about that's different different. yeah um i don't know i just uh i mean so i've I've been the best man uh, i was i was the best man at a uh well, a Persian wedding, an Indian wedding, a black wedding. I've been at a bunch of fun little different types of weddings, but um, Indian culture, uh, obviously it's different, but Indian culture and Persian culture, to me, at least visually, I love the outfits. You know, it's so much more through the roof than like Western attire. It's like jeans and a t-shirt or like a girl's dress. Whereas like an Indian woman in a sari with like this amazingly colorful outfit with like a nose ring that goes all the way up to her uh, headdress and like all the, I mean, the dresses make sounds because there's like jewelry on it and bells and everything else. Their hands are painted. Their fingertips are dipped in uh, like an ink. I mean, it's so fucking beautiful and colorful and there's no, there's no standard. So you'll go to like a wedding like that, or maybe it's a Persian wedding or, Again, I, I shouldn't be. I realize these are wildly different cultures, but um, and you just look at the sea of people, and there's it's just this explosion of rainbows. You know, it's really, really awesome. And then you know, like at the end of the Persian wedding, everyone rips off the flowers. At the uh, we had all these tables set up and all these very beautiful, huge colored flowers everywhere, and everyone ripped off the flowers and started throwing the petals in the air. Everything's just so much more like vibrant. You know, like their sort of love for life seems a lot bigger than um, from a Western perspective, Uh, whereas we're so much more subdued in expressing ourselves than them. You know, they'll sing, they'll hug. Men will kiss each other on the cheek and embrace each other. Like I never met my biological father and my stepdad has never hugged me in his fucking life. And that's not that uncommon that you see like a Persian son and father like embracing like like. Whoa, holy shit. Or Indian men holding hands as a sign of like brotherly love. And there's just a lot of that in all the other parts of the world that the United States is just completely void of. And it's a little bit sad because it's more fun. It's more loving. And uh, they seem a lot happier, you know, that they're expressing themselves fully like that. So, yeah. It's very subdued here. Wow, <laughs> that sounded yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I always get very, I get a little bit defensive um, when I hear, you know, a lot of. Well, I'm, I'm, I want America to be a great country. You know, I want us to be successful and everything, not at the expense of anybody else, but you know. You have to, if you've traveled enough, you have to admit we're on the very bottom of a very 
beautiful pile of countries that have figured a lot of things out that we haven't. And part of that might be because we're such a young country. You know, the United States is fucking young. You know, it's like, you know, a couple hundred and a half years from being in wagons to putting people on Mars is a phenomenal achievement, but it's such a young, um, it's such a young country. And so, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe some of these older ways of being, whether it's Buddhism or Chinese culture in general or Indian culture. I mean, the Middle East is, you're you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years of culture um, and ways of being and figuring out how to be. And the United States is like 250 years old. (laughs) You know, it's like, we. It's. uh, I I was in London one time and I was laughing because they have bars and they have bars in London that are older than our country. You know, like the bar is like 300... 50 years old and you're like oh this is like great 400 year old bar it's been here since like (laughs) yeah and we're like yay we're like 200 years old so yeah that is so cool holy shit yeah so we got we got a long way to go before we figure shit out if we don't burn it to the ground first so we're also the youngest democracy in the world you know i mean we're really trying to figure shit out still yeah holy shit that's Damn, now I really want to go to, like, an <laughs> you want to country. Go yeah, now I want to go places. <laughs> like, if I'm walking around, like, in the Philippines and stuff, you know, like, I had people hand me their baby to take pictures with me. It's just a very interesting – I mean, I look the way I look. I mean, I don't know how I come across on camera, but, you know, I'm 6'2", 230 pounds, and I got tattoos, and, you know, I'm sort of a formidable presence, especially walking around Southeast Asia – and people will be like, well, this is another example, right? So <laughs> like I'm on a train, I'm on a train surrounded by Indian people, right? And the Indian men love masculinity. They openly love masculinity. Like if they see a guy with muscles and tattoos who looks like a superhero or whatever, they will point it out on the spot and elbow their friend or they'll want to shake your hand or touch your arm or compliment you. Whereas in the United States, if I walk into a room, all the other guys puff their chests up and they don't want to talk to you because there's this subtle like peacocking going on of like, who's the alpha? And there's all this like weird, subtle shit going on. Whereas guys will just come up to you on a train and be like, you know, can I touch your arm? You know, like, can I shake your hand? Like they just, they want to say hi. They want to know you. Um, Or like I said, I've been in the Philippines before I was, (laughs) I was walking around with a buddy of mine who was from Cameroon, Africa. He's a big barrel-chested black guy, African guy. And, uh, you know, people would hand me babies to take pictures with their kid or whatever. And then, like, we'd be walking down the street with my buddy from Cameroon. And this guy in the uh, – this was in Indonesia. So we're in Indonesia walking down the street. And these dudes from across the street yell at my friend, Mike Tyson! <laughs> That's dope. So fucking ridiculous. So Holy shit. Um, but they'll engage with you in a way that, you know, like I just went to the gym. I did talk about this in a video a couple of days ago. You know, I, I went to the gym today. You know, I walked in the room and it was like, there's a girl to my left sitting on a whatever bench on her phone. And there's a girl in front of me sitting on something else on her phone. And I looked to my right and there's a girl sitting on a fucking bench on her fucking phone. 
You know, like that is so different than when I'm walking through the Philippines and people are talking to you and engaging with you and handing you their baby or yelling Mike Tyson across the street or whatever they're doing or, you know, just noticing you. Where are you from? You know, like, oh, that's, you know, know, if when I was in Malaysia, people would ask to see my tattoo. You know, I've got a lot of like, you know, tattoos and shit going on. But, uh, um, you know, they don't have that in Malaysia because it's a Islamic state. So tattoos aren't something the Muslims do. So you'll see women with burqas and they want to talk to you or take a photo of your tattoo. Like it's just, they're interested and they're engaged and you come back to the U S and they're, it's just these cunts sitting on their phone looking at pictures of fucking lattes on Instagram. I don't know what for, but (laughs) it's sad. It's depressing. I, I, in case you haven't noticed, I haven't enjoyed being back in the United States, to be completely honest. Uh, I'd like to leave uh, as soon as possible again. If I could live somewhere else, I would for sure want to do it. Oh, you made uh, me want to leave like tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I am personally bisexual, but I'm also really affectionate, especially towards female friends. Like, I always have this urge, and not like because I'm sexually attracted to them in the moment or creepy creepy. but i want to hold their hands i want to kiss them on the cheeks i want to be super affectionate but i'm like shit they know i'm bi i don't want them to think that i'm making a move but it's like i have so much love to give you know (laughs) yeah it's nice uh i like that you know there's no being a man especially in the united states there's a massive gap between the, how men interact with each other or how close we'll sit or how close, you know, we, we, even when men talk in the United States to each other, we talk at a distance. We don't stand particularly close to one another because that would be uncomfortable, you know, where, <laughs> whereas if you're in other countries, that would be weird. Like, why are you standing six feet apart? You're like, is this a COVID thing? Like, why are you so far apart while we're talking? You know, um, India is a trip because in India, men, it's very common for male friends to hold hands when they're walking around. Um, wow. And it's just for them, it's just a sign of brotherly love. And yeah, this is my friend. We hold hands. So what? they'll hold and they'll hold pinkies and like swing their arms like <laughs> <laughs> while they're walking down the street. It's really funny. First time you see that coming Based? from the West, you're like, whoa, what the, is everyone in India gay? Like, what is happening? But, Holy uh, shit! So, yeah. do they accept um, homosexual relationships there? How how is that? Uh, so, it depends where you are. So, India is interesting. So, I can't tell you for a fact that this is true, but um, I've certainly read um, most Indian men's, even though they're straight, most Indian men's first sexual experiences with another guy in their adolescence. Um, And if you know a little bit more about Indian culture, that actually starts making sense. So we have a casual idea of dating in the United States. You know what I mean? Um, Like you'll go out on a date and then you'll go out on another date and then you'll go out on another date. You'll be on Tinder or you're on OkCupid or you're DMing somebody. India doesn't really have that. And they have pretty, unless you're in a major city, pretty strict, you know, arranged marriages. The first person you have sex with might be your wife, probably will be your wife. So the idea of just like casually going out and dating or being an adolescent male wanting to fuck and being able to fuck, you you know, you live at home most of your life with your family. So does the girl you want to fuck. It's difficult 
it's a challenge. It's not like the U.S. where you just get in your car and you go fuck somewhere. Um, so culturally, it's difficult for them to be casual about sex. Mm. Um, if if you got caught doing that, there would be like proper social ramifications for that, especially if you're in one of the smaller like villages or something. Right. Um, and so they get a, they get around that a lot of times, but you know, you're young, you're like 12, 13, 14, and your first sort of sexual experience is messing around with one of your buddies because that's possible. The other thing is impossible. There's just no way to do it, you know, in that, in that social climate. So, wow. I have buddies from uh, Pakistan. We have sort of similar stories, you know, from when they were younger. Um, so it's weird. On, on one hand with like Pakistan, on one hand, it's taboo. On the other hand, there's a lot of Pakistani dudes and Afghani dudes <laughs> like walking around. Like a lot of U.S. soldiers came back from the Middle East talking about um, like, was it called? Like Man Love Tuesday or Boy Love Tuesday. Like the soldiers were warned in advance. Like just so you know, a lot of these village guys will be fucking these young boys um, and it's not because they're gay necessarily. It's because you're living in the mountains and that's what you have available. <laughs> Holy um, shit. Wow. Yeah. So it's not that crazy. Again, you're talking about like very provincial out in the boonies, but, um, in the cities, it's much more modern and sort of maybe more relatable, but why do you like Eastern women more than Western women? You always um, shit on American women. Yeah, I shit hard. I feel like they need a good comeuppance. He's got a caramel um, wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've never been attracted to white women. Um, Same. Just, just visually. But, but by the way, are you? Uh, what are you? I'm uh, Mexican. Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> okay. Good. She's not white. I, mean, I, I, I can I can I, talk shit. She's she's yeah. fucking white. I got I got that Colin. <laughs> she's pretty much You're all Anglo. I fucking love love that horn. Um, uh, I've never been attracted to white girls. So I grew up around white girls because I grew up in sort of a farm, whatever. And I was never really that into them. And then when I got more like to Chicago, San Diego, LA, I liked Mexican girls. I thought were awesome. Brazilian women. I thought were awesome. Um, Basically Latinos were beautiful. Um, Then I got to like San Diego and there was a shitload of Asian girls all of a sudden in California. And, you know, I was like in my early, early 20s, I had basically never really been around Asian women up to that point. I mean, you'd see them once in a while, but not really. And then in California, it's like you're basically just in South Korea, you know, for the most part. You're like, shit, they're fucking everywhere. Um, visually, very attracted to Asian women. And then I started dating Asian women almost accidentally exclusively. Everyone I was dating was korean or filipino um chinese maybe cambodian maybe like but you know sounds like uh, a long list yeah (laughs) and then uh well i'm just i'm just older than you that's all (laughs) (laughs) not the list is long she said i'm old um uh but anyway so then ironically i was always dating and in relationships with asian women and then i ended up moving to asia for a huge amount of time. And uh, that just reinforced all the things I already had enjoyed. Um, So, you know, like 
Asia embraces gender stereotypes in a way that the West is currently really pushing back on. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't have a, I don't have a problem with, you know, the, the idea of it in the West is like more of a feminist idea. Like women can do anything men can do. And I agree. Um, everyone should have equal rights. I'm not for any of that subjugation of anybody or bigotry. However, you know, when you're in Asia and you, know, you have a, your girl stays over the night, even though, even though you barely know each other, maybe you just met, maybe you just had a one night stand or you've been dating for a couple months and now you're sleeping together and she stays the night at your house, man, you get up in the morning. You're like, I gotta go to work. Just make yourself at home. I'll be back later. Okay. And you leave and you come back and your whole house is cleaned. You know, your bed's made. There's a note on the pillow with a card I mean, it's just like this level of care or appreciation that is very basic, but very appreciated, you know, and, you know, when, when they say thank you, they mean it, you know, whereas like here opening a door, which is like a basic male role, they don't say anything. <laughs> it's like. This attitude of this <laughs> then again, I'm Mexican. <laughs> yeah, she, she was actually yelling at me earlier about all this. Right now, she's like, "Go get the pizza. You're the man. Go do this. Go do that." <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. he is right. Yeah, yeah, and um, there's nothing wrong with those roles. Whereas the West currently is has a lot of momentum of shitting on those roles. They they want to say there are no roles. It's all social constructs you know women actually there's no difference between men and women and da, 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 da. And i just don't find that to be true and i also don't find it to be enjoyable i don't mind taking care of my girl and in the way that a man sort of traditionally does and i don't yeah. mind that she takes care of me in ways that are traditionally feminine and i enjoy it and um yeah but doesn't mean Thank I you. wouldn't support the thing is like you say that and people conflate that to meaning, Oh, I wouldn't support her being a professional money earning, you know, whatever. It's like, of course I would. <laughs> I'm just saying it's nice when I come home. Like, so I, I've been training MMA for like 23 years. I'm a black belt in jujitsu. I'm teaching that all the time. So I'm always balancing my athletics with my professional career. You know, so I go to work all day and then I'll train at night for a few hours and I'll get home at 10 p.m. And like the fact that she's made dinner or the fact that I sit down, I don't say anything. And she just jumps behind you and is like, tell me about your day. And is like rubbing your shoulders and kissing you on the neck just as a hello for 20 minutes. That's so fucking nice. And it's not that they're in a submissive role. It's not that they can't do anything. It's just is can't that just be like a nice thing to do for your significant other totally you know? agree dude yeah yeah definitely so and i love that and i love that she feels protected when we're out i love that you know what whatever she needs she gets you know so it's a to me it's a very pleasurable mutual exchange and in the west everything is just a fucking knife fight you know? <laughs> everything's like what did you say and well i can do that and yeah it's like oh fuck off man i just i don't you know just wanted a sandwich you know relax <laughs> Yeah. Jesus Christ. Fuck. So, yeah, no. <laughs> I had uh, told the story to Lane on a previous podcast that uh, I had an ex who I wanted to go to a Halloween party and all of a sudden it turned into a suicide watch. Suicide watch? Why? Remember? She she pulled a knife on, on me and then fucking decided to lock herself in what the bathroom. What a psycho. 
Yeah. So Why again? These are because, American women. Yeah. Oh. Because okay. I wanted to yeah, go to Yeah, they are kind of psycho. I'm not going to. Yeah, that's true. Go to therapy? Absolutely. That's crazy, so dude. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm sort of intentionally broad and aggressive on my channel because it's part of the. It's part of the shtick. It's the man juju uh, look. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the shtick, but it's a real opinion. You know, you just turn the volume up on it a little bit. So, like, I enjoyed dating um, Asian American women. It's a little bit of a balance where you get some of the American, you know, you get some of the, some of the American qualities, but they were raised in an Asian household. So it's like, Oh, that's nice. You know, likewise, I assume for if you're raised in a Mexican household and et cetera, et cetera, but just straight up white bitches from Oregon with blue hair fuck off like there's just nothing about that that is appealing to me i don't have any interest in that whatsoever it's it's too much it's too it's too crazy man juju what is what does that mean what's that i don't know what that means uh <laughs> well what's the origin of it um yeah it doesn't actually have any particular meaning i wanted a channel where i was talking about man things ironically most of my viewers seem to be women which is hilarious but wet ass p-word i wonder why (laughs) yeah um yeah i look at my demographic sometimes it's like 70 percent women i'm always like what like i never in a million years everything about the channel was geared towards a guy talking about guy things with guy opinions and yet 70 68 or 70 percent of my viewers seem to be females and in particular the black ladies really seem to like me (laughs) yeah the sisters love me um which is always funny but um Mm, mm, mm. so i wanted a thing like man 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 things man stuff and juju although it's sort of an african term which sort of means like i don't even know how to how to say it um it's usually like doctor or like, I don't know, something like that. But anyway, in my head, Juju just meant like things, like man things, um, like man stuff. Um, yeah, which probably isn't the correct, even correct way to use the word. Like, oh, like uh, you got some bad Juju or you got some good Juju, like <laughs> feeling. Or something. Anyway, so I turned, I turned that into man Juju. I also, because of what I do for a living, I sort of have like a, I think of things in terms of like marketing and like how easy is that to put on a logo and um, sometimes uh, names of things are like way too long. I'm like, that's way too many syllables. Like, why is that your logo? You know, it's like insane. Or that's us. Some, yeah, us. Yeah, so if you or like if you if you print something, like does it print well on a shirt or a sticker or whatever you're putting it on if it doesn't then that's a shit logo you know what i mean so man write this down <laughs> well, yeah. I, was, I was gonna comment on his setup because i think yet you have one of the most nicest like professional setups you know you got the camera just right you have enough room to kind of be animated and your yeah. quality of lighting is really good as well sound as well good yeah you know what's funny is uh my setup is so i shoot everything on my google phone oh okay. um so I, I paid no money for a camera. I have a Google phone. I have a Blue Yeti microphone, which is what I'm using right now, Yeah, um, which is 170 bucks. And I got two studio lights from Amazon for like $30. That's the mm-hmm. entire setup. The entire setup, if you exclude the microphone, was like 30 bucks. Um, 
So yeah, I've got two two of these main lights. Um, I've got one on right now. Actually, it's an umbrella light with like a powerful light behind it, but they're super cheap. It's like thirty bucks off Amazon, and I just got two of those set up. Um, yeah, and my camera, my desk setup is just for my work, which is why I've sort of got a nice computer and nice desk and all that stuff. But that stuff I already owned anyway. So. That's but crazy. now I'm basically in like an Outback Steakhouse and I have no. Like, <laughs> you keep saying the Outback Steakhouse. Is it really an Outback Steakhouse? Uh, well, it's just very. Are we going to see know, a waiter pass by right now? <laughs> yeah, I've got like horses, a lot of Native American stuff behind me. Oh, okay. Um, just culturally appropriating the shit out of their entire existence. In this Base, we already, Native Amer- yeah. Painting of a Native American woman just to my left. How dare you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so aggressive. No, 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 no. That was racist. Wow, dude. So tell us what's up. You were going to say How long have you guys been doing your podcast? September, I would say. Right at the late September. So we're already on episode 11. We've been recording consistently for about every week now. I think we've only taken like a week or two break. And it's been going well. If you listen to our first like... Two episodes, they're pretty cringe, but after that, we kind of get a rhythm going. We're just all like, you know what? We're not going to have like a whole rundown and shit. We're just going to talk and see yeah. where it fucking goes from there. That's good. Is it? It's fun. Yeah. You guys enjoying doing it? Yeah. I mean, oh, we yeah. have a, a wide range of fucking people. I mean, we had somebody break down like uh, the different language that's on 4chan and the history of it. Uh, we talked about uh, poems and how to publish a book at one point. Mm. And then we got to talk to uh, Bill McClintock last week, who is a um, he's like a mashup artist on YouTube. So if you ever heard uh, the Marilyn Manson, Mariah Carey mashup, that was. Him. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So he has a lot of really good songs. So, yeah, it's been like super fun, like talking to different people, um, seeing who they are. And then we get to talk to my friends and they're usually embarrassing themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to, I only listened to one. I listened to the Kyle Rittenhouse podcast you guys just did. Oh, okay. Uh, which, I I like that one. <laughs> which uh, I thought was good. Um, well, which one? Was it the uh, after the verdict or before the verdict? Oh, I don't know. Did you do two? Um, yeah. There was, was it- one guy on there who I was screaming in my car, like wanting to f- turn off the road. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was so angry. Because the one guy kept talking about white supremacy. <laughs> oh, Tony. Tony, yes, Tony yeah. B. He yeah, is... Tony's out of his mind. Yeah, I was like, you know what, this guy. I will um, definitely get you guys together. This would be good. Yeah, yeah. because I, I the whole time I was like, Tony seems to be confusing white majority with white supremacy, and these mean two wildly different things. That's white supremacy, son. <laughs> <laughs> No, definitely. But yeah, Tony's yeah. a good guy. He's our radical uh, leftist. So yeah, I got I got that vibe. And yeah. uh, I think it was Lon who was sort of Lon, uh, Lon, Lane, Lane. He was Lane, trying to push sorry. back. She was pushing Lane. back. She does a good job of pushing back on these things. Yeah, I was like, I don't know who this Lane character is, but uh, I like her style. She's uh, okay. she was sort of keeping him in check. Which is <laughs> yeah, that's what she's here Thank for. Thank you, dude. That means a lot. Holy shit. Yeah. No, for real though, I liked uh, I liked the way you were approaching arguing with him on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, no, she really does bring uh, a lot of the logistical thought process to the debates, critical thinking. I'm more or less trying to entertain people and make sure we don't sound very dry. 
And, yep. you know, just added a little bit of humor here and there. So it's been a good dynamic. Yeah, because I'm not funny. I'm, <laughs> women, I'm a girl. Women aren't funny. We're not funny. Women are funny. <laughs> it's like, balances that out. So sexist. Yeah, there's not that many funny ladies out there. It's not that women can't be funny. I don't know what that is, but... It, I would say know. it's... Um, We've just not, we haven't had enough women comedians as compared to all the comedians that have been men. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you were to put all the men comedians in one, you know, setting, probably like only a handful you would consider like genuinely funny. But because the woman population of comedians is significantly smaller, it's very, you can't really pick from there. It's because women can't self-deprecate like we can. I don't know what it is. I think, I think. I think guys are better at being funny because we have to be. Um, That's true too. Whereas women, women kind of just need to be one thing and then we're interested. Like if yeah. you're cute, we're all in. Like we don't really need See, anything told- after that. <laughs> that <that's, laughs> we don't need anything after that. No, that you ironically know? is my line to Lane all the time is all like, God damn it. Like you're lucky you're fucking cute because otherwise this, this shit would be over <laughs> Yeah, and how hot you are is absolutely relative to how much shit we'll put up with. Yeah. So like the hotter you are, the more shit we'll tolerate. Mm. Whereas, like, if we're not attracted to you at all, I'm not. You better to hear be fucking any- funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to hear any of your bullshit. But with dudes, it's like it kind of doesn't matter if you're good looking. Like, I was just talking. I was saying to somebody <laughs> the other day, it's like a woman on a first date. Their first question is, "What do you do?" You know. Uh, well, I'm sorry. If, like, if you're if you're setting up a blind date, you know, for if you're setting up a blind date for a guy or a girl, if you're setting it up for a girl, the girl's first question is, "What does he do?" The guy's first question is, "What does she look like?" Like our our whole existence is like, "What am I going to be looking at?" Whereas hers is like, "Is he funny? Does he like kids? Do, what does he do for?" It's all these like more substantive That's so things. True, yeah. Some of it's I wouldn't say shallow. I like the whole "What do you do?" You know, I know as a man and eat my. If you know, I got an amazing girl now who's Filipino, but um, if I'm on a date, the first question they're going to ask me is, What do I do? For sure. Um, and we have to because we're the ones who give babies. We, we want to make sure yeah. our kids are safe, you know, and have a it's good that, future. Yeah, it's that stability check. So <laughs> exactly. they want to know, like, does this, like, if I was like, I'm a garbage man, they'd yeah. be like, I'm out, you know. Yeah, the stats uh, nowadays don't really add up to that because it seems like if you're unemployed, you're even more desirable to breed with. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. With, what is this stat? What is this stat? Tell me about it. Oh, this is the urban uh, inner city. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, like, uh, usually chicks will end up having babies with like the most unemployed uh, scumbag motherfucker, and then complain like, uh, yeah. "Oh, my baby daddy never does shit." Well, I mean, you should have realized that when you first slept with him. Like, he wasn't on shit. He wasn't gonna be shit. He's never gonna be shit. I would say I'm I'm speculating here, but I would say that's just sort of a self fulfilling prophecy where like a girl in that neighborhood only has those choices, and so th- those are who she's automatically selecting, mm. um, as opposed to a girl in a more medium to high income household where she has probably several choices of many different types of guys. So yeah. that would well, be my no, yeah, my that that makes a lot of sense. Unless she has daddy issues, then I she purposely gonna, just goes out that. and dates the biggest loser. Well, not purposely, but you, if you don't grow up, this is why a paternal figure is so important because it's supposed to dictate what to look for in a um, opposite sex partner, right? But if you mm-hmm. never had that, like a stable, ideal idol for that, you don't know how to pick. Yeah, it's true. 
Daddy issues are awesome. Though. <laughs> daddy issues are awesome. You know well, what? I can agree. Bad. That's exactly what you want. That's exactly who you want to fuck. No. The most, the most daddy issues possible. Yeah, there's there's why? an actual there's like, an actual. I know that's grab. a fetish, but why? Why are um, you guys into that? Is it because it I brings out the fatherly like dependency? Guys? Maybe. I don't know. The odds of her being good and bad go through the yeah. roof. The more it's the it's more. like a graph okay. where like the more crazy she is the hotter she'll be yeah. and the better in bed she'll be. Mm. I, I have to show you the graph, but yeah, you can imagine. <laughs> I have to show you the graph, but <laughs> yeah. Or you could just do like me and just be, um, my girl's Filipino. And so like by default, they're just, <laughs> they're just through the roof. Like you just could fuck her 23 hours a day and they'd be like, I mean, can we do one more? And you're like, I guess so. Hey, so. That's base. Good for you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Shit. <laughs> that's why he's so happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. But uh yeah, they're they're always down. There's uh there's no downtime for them. So <laughs> I was asking Van the other day, what are um mommy issues for guys? That's not really talked about. Uh, mommy issues, it, like I said, you either have two, like you either, um, end up hating women because you had such a, like a shitty mom or whatever, or you had an overbearing mom and you never learned to leave the nest. And both of those are like mommy issues. Yeah. I don't know. I've never thought about guys and mommy issues. I always feel like the most common guy that you might run into, which is a little bit dangerous to be honest, the most common kind of like male flaw is a man that's been unsuccessful at finding a partner and the longer that goes the more resentful and kind of to be honest dangerous they get because the, they start resenting women um and i think those are the kind of guys that end up being sort of violent scary dudes towards women um it's born out of the fact that they've never been particularly successful at getting one oh, a lot of people a lot of people don't realize um First of all, no one cares about male problems. Nobody cares. Everyone's like, Instagram makes girls want to like... Nah, nah, nah. Meanwhile, men kill themselves 3x more than women um, in the United States. And no one... I mean, literally no one gives a fuck. There's no... There's just, no one gives a fuck. Um, but uh, to varying degrees, young boys... You know, you sort of wake up one morning and you have this demon between your legs that is making most of your decisions. And most of them are dumb decisions and you're not taught how to deal with it. And the idea of seeing a girl naked or seeing boobs for the first time or sleeping with a woman, like from age like 12, maybe 12 to 14, it starts. And it's this brutal thing, uh, addiction, you would almost call it, where it's so much of your thoughts, so much of your focus and then you multiply that with the fact that you're not even getting the thing. And you're like year after year after year after year of not getting this thing that is consuming all of your thoughts and you're watching porn and you're jacking off six times a day and you do all this other stuff. It's a serious thing and it's impossible for women to appreciate that actual, not even in a, even in a funny way, that literal struggle that you're having. Um, and I was listening to Dr. Drew talk about this one time. It's like women need to really appreciate like when men, a lot of times, even though you don't think about it this way, when men are choosing a partner, we're literally choosing a woman to sort of help us manage this fucking problem of ours. 
Um, and that's kind of a big responsibility. And um, yeah, it's just this, ma- I don't know how else to put it. It's just this massive driving force in our life. And when that need isn't met or that type of intimacy isn't met, that can kind of create a scary dude because you get resentful, you get angry, you don't understand why other guys have it and you don't. And that's pretty, it's sad, it's depressing. It has a massive impact on uh, a young man's life or an older man's life. Yeah, I would say you just need that positive reinforcement to know that you're kind of like all the sacrifices and all the effort that you're putting into something. Someone does appreciate it. Right. Well, you need to fuck somebody. That's what you really need. <laughs> you need to fuck somebody to yeah. dump your cum in something. I, right? I, I agree because, um, so, and this is sad because I've been accused of being like a, a pick me girl, but it's like, I, I agree that we have to look into men's problems and it's not me like, oh, I'm trying to get male attention. Like, no, dude, this is just common sense. Like, if you want to help resolve women's issues, all the misogyny and all of that, all of that that you claim, you really have to dig deep into men without judgment as to why these attitudes form, right? Because that's yeah. the only way how we're going to get through it. Men are conditioned to not express their emotions. We're not allowed to talk about men's sexual drive, which I think is very important because it's a lot stronger in men. And therefore, we should appreciate the biological differences in both men and women because that explains to us our unique challenges that we face. Yeah. Men, men are also uniquely dangerous in a way that women are not. And across the board, you know, something like if you could, if you could put young men age 14 to like 26 in prison, something like 94% of all violent crime disappears. Um, and like, that's a crazy stat. And then you have like how many, you know, the black community has 70% single father, uh, single motherhood, um, in the white communities, it's horrible. It's not quite as bad, but it's increasing as well. Um, when, when men fail society, it has a massive impact on society in terms of how the next generation of sons and daughters grow up and also the violence in that community. Whereas when women fail in society, that's not good. But the immediate, the immediate repercussions of men failing in society have dire immediate consequences, usually, usually immediately to your neighborhood, to your community, and to your prison system in a way that with women, not quite so much. I'm not saying it's good that women have problems, but when men fail, we fail fucking spectacularly. We fail our wife, we fail our family, we fail our kids. Um, we rape, we murder, we steal. I mean, all this shit you're seeing on the news with people kicking in doors and stealing shit, it's not fucking 20-year-old girls doing it. It's dudes. You know, it's fucking men. You know, like, not curbing young men is a serious fucking issue. And, uh, and... That's an interesting thing because on one hand, that's a problem. And on the other hand, no one cares about men's problems. And I never understand that because fixing those young boys would solve so many um, problems across the board. And no one gives a fuck. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think – I think most people try to push back on that whole concept of, um, you know, the the quote or the philosophy that hard times create – you know, strong men, strong men creates strong societies and then, you know, vice versa. Eventually they end up creating weak men because everything's so luxurious and, you know, everything's at your will that society ends up collapsing after a while. 
Yeah, I mean, Americans, I mean, a huge criticism of mine towards the United States at this point is just everyone's so fucking soft. I mean, like the slightest adversity is just met with these hysterical tantrums across the board from these millennial cunts who just can't, you know, they've been handed trophies their whole fucking life. Now we're getting rid of D and F scores. And the solution to everything is to make things easier instead of making people better at doing what they're doing. You know, at the same time, the East or let's say China is increasing how difficult it is to get into these schools. We're making everything easier. And that's not, (laughs) it's not going to make better scientists. It's not going to make better teachers. It's not going to make better men. Um, And it's weird that anyone's debating that or would ever debate that. I mean, we're, we've been watching it in real time for 20 years. So like, when is it, when is, when is this move to make things easier going to start producing these amazing human beings? When is that going to fucking happen? Well, you know, like, you, the, the last fucking video the U.S. military released for our fucking troops for the army was this lesbian f- female soldier yeah. who, who was raised <laughs> by two women in a gay household. Like that's the representation of our military now. And then like that that video that was spliced together with that versus the Russians, uh, like promotional video for their military. <laughs> where it's all this like brutalist architecture and like big yoked fucking uh, Russian soldiers. And like, I mean, just that on a, just that on its face told tells you everything you need to know about where we're going um, in terms of a country, in terms of how hard or how soft we're getting. And even, even me saying that people will be upset by that, which is insane because the fact that they're upset proves my point. (laughs) That's the whole fucking point, you know? Well, you know, society's on a trajectory right now where we eventually will have the first openly transgender black midget in a wheelchair that's quadriplegic as president. I think that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. And then they'll be mad because he's not Muslim. And yeah. So <laughs> got to make sure he's Muslim, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm saying he. I shouldn't be. Oh, right. She or they. 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 Yeah. Make sure we use the right pronouns. Oh man, I was choking on my bigotry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying watching Demi Lovato just like crash. Dude, what is wrong with her? (laughs) Crash at terminal velocity into the mountain of life that she's running into. It's fucking spectacular. She used to be. I mean, I don't. To be honest, to be fair, I don't really know anything about Demi Lovato. I don't really know her music. You know, I don't. You know, I wasn't even in the United States when she was super popular and young and pretty now she looks like a 35 year old male truck driver who <laughs> who just uh, is changing her pronouns every week and she thinks uh, the term aliens is oppressive to intergalactic travelers that might come to the united states so i mean she's just dude yeah and, and i wonder how much of it is due to her brain damage from the drug overdoses that she's had yeah i think it's a combination of well, her case is very unique, right? She's so famous. And yeah. it, I, I think it's probably hard to be normal when you're that famous. And, you know, you start walking into these cupcake stores complaining that the cupcakes are triggering you and they shouldn't be in the checkout aisle because how dare you? You know, I have an eating disorder. Like, and you're tweeting about that. Like, that's, you know, you want to know how soft our country is for fuck's sake. You can't even see a biscuit at the checkout. 
You know, like that's what you're tweeting about, you know, and, and how dare they? And you want to use your 200 million Twitter followers to like burn this mom and pop shop down to the fucking ground in Los Angeles because you saw fucking Chips Ahoy. You know, <laughs> like fucking blow me, Demi, you know, like Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Dude, yeah, I couldn't believe that story either. I just. I'm shook. At how self-centered she is, but like, then I also feel bad because I'm like, dude, she's had a drug overdose, so. Yeah, she's out of her mind, and I don't know when she got famous, but, you know, pretty young, I guess. I think she was pretty young when she started getting pretty famous. She's still young, technically. I mean, she's not a child anymore, but. It's a lot to take in, a lot to handle, I think. That's why they all turn up like that. Yeah, she's been a young celebrity her whole life, so (laughs) it's hard. Yeah, I mean, we eventually plan to do an episode where we go down all the child actors and see where their lives went wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, man, Juju, I want to ask about your fitness life. Sure. You do a lot of shit, and I am, like, I've seen some of your fitness video, and I'm like, damn, this guy is swole and disciplined as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A little bit, I mean... Yeah, so I mean, I I've been an athlete my whole life, and um, as a as a youngster, I did sort of the usual stuff. I played soccer for like twelve years, and then I was sort of a decathlete um, for a while. I pole vaulted at a state level and did hurdles for a long time, and then because I never went to college, um, you know, I sort of graduated high school pretty athletic and nowhere to put any of it. And I wasn't sure what to do with it. So I just started lifting weights a little bit. Um, and then <laughs> I was in Chicago. I, was, I shouldn't say Chicago. I should say Schaumburg area, Arlington Heights or something. Um, and I was at a Gold's Gym and I saw a poster for Keith Hackney's Combat Academy. And I was like, oh, shit. And this is uh, very late 90s. And I had just seen this guy compete in like UFC 3. And I was like, oh, shit, that's the dude from the UFC who fucking knocked out that huge 600-pound guy with, like, a ridge hand. Oh, God. It was, like, fantastic. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to go to that guy's school and see what's up. So I go to that school. And this is – so MMA wasn't always called MMA. You know, it originally was Valet Tudo. Then it was, like, NHB. And then it was – dependent you know might be called free fighting or then it was like no holds barred fighting and then it finally sort of got the popularized name of mma which stands for mixed martial arts obviously um so when i went there wasn't really a name for it it was just insane it was valet tudo or nhb or something so i show up this athletic dude delusional like all fucking males i assumed i was going to walk into this fight gym and like well i'm strong and big and i'm gonna fuck some dudes up this is gonna be great (laughs) dude i got destroyed (laughs) i got destroyed by everybody in the building i mean for like six months i mean i got destroyed i walked in there i got murked i got murked by a girl named kathy who choked the fuck out of me this fucking super athlete named prentice was just beating the fuck out of me (laughs) And this is like late nineties where like gyms weren't really safe. Like now you go to a gym and you learn jujitsu and stuff. You can trust that if you leave your kid there, everything's fine. This is like just a room full of murderers and fighters. Uh, Some King of the cage fighters were there. Like the owner of the gym was fighting in the UFC previously. And this was like bare knuckle back in the day. MMA was illegal all over the United States. Um, 
And so the gym etiquette was sink or swim. You're sparring every fucking night. Figure it out. Did and you have so, a safe word at least? It was, not, it was not safe. It was super dangerous. No, I don't it's safe word. It's safe word. Like, oh, did you yell out banana? And yeah. they would stop choking. Yeah, there's no safe word. Um, so anyway, I got fucking nice. destroyed. I mean, I was running around the gym with this little blonde girl attached to my back like a fucking backpack choking the fuck out of me. I'm like slamming her against the wall. I'm like, get this bitch off me. I didn't know what was going on. So I left the gym just demoralized. I couldn't believe how bad I was at fighting. And what I thought I was capable of doing versus what I was capable of doing were so far apart that I was devastated. My manhood was just destroyed. And what did that teach you for your character development? Everything. It's a huge part of who I became. Um, I, you know, like I said, I never had a father figure growing up and never met my biological father. So I never really learned how to be a man probably until I got involved in fighting. Um, and so it might not even be fair to call those male traits, but learning how to really overcome adversity and your own ego and when to swallow your pride. You, you know, when you train MMA or jujitsu or whatever you're doing, you're forced every single day to tap out and admit that somebody just beat the fuck out of you. And if you don't, you know, in in a real situation, if you don't tap, you're dead because they're going to keep choking you or they're going to break your arm or whatever they're doing to you. And so the first reality check is, oh my God, thinking you might be good at something is not the same thing as knowing something. (laughs) You actually need to know the thing. And if you don't know it, shut the fuck up, basically. It doesn't matter if you're having an argument on a subject. If you don't know the subject, kind of shut the fuck up. You know, Um, it's the same for physical activities. Like, I'd probably be good at racing cars. Why? Have you ever raced a car? It's like, well, no. It's like, then why would you be any good at racing cars? (laughs) It's the same, same concept. And even when you get good at something, the next day you just learn something new that you didn't know that somebody else knows and they're better at that than you anyway. And so learning MMA, especially jujitsu and stuff is literally learning. It's exactly the same as learning multiple languages. So I speak Muay Thai wrestling, catch wrestling and jujitsu. And if you only speak Muay Thai, you're fucked because I speak four languages. You know what I mean? And so because I speak four languages, I have more ways to express myself than you do. You have one way and I have four. So if you're bilingual or you speak Russian and French and English and Spanish, you have way more ways to think your thoughts or express yourself creatively or emotionally um, than somebody else. So to me, fighting is a lot like knowing many languages. Um, I didn't think of it that way. That was beautiful. It was like poetry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, I've always approached that stuff very, um, although I'm a very physical person, uh, very, mm, maybe a little more cerebral than some of my <laughs> other brothers in the gym. But so, you know, I got destroyed for, you know, a year, you know, basically it, it was, it was, it was brutal. And it was like every day at work at like five o'clock, I'd start getting nervous because I know at seven, I'm going to be at the gym sparring. I'm like, fuck. And it's going to be so brutal. And, you know, it was hard, but anyway, you know, I had my first fight maybe like a year after I started training and it was like an illegal fight in Wisconsin in a bar, 
you know, on, on a boxing card, but, you know, we had no gloves and it was, I mean, because back then MMA was illegal. It was crazy. And, you know, you're like warming up in a bathroom, you know, on cardboard, you know, and no one weighed in for shit. They just pair you up with somebody else. So, I mean, you're constantly facing your fears. Like you don't know who you're going to fight. Even when you show up, you're not really sure what the rules are. You could have some guy that's got 30 fights. It's your second fight. You know, he could be 40 pounds heavier than you. So it was crazy back then. And, um, so anyway, did that, you know, I had some, never competed a ton. I had, you know, like three or four MMA fights. I had a few Muay Thai fights, you know, I won a Pan American medal in jujitsu and, you know, did some Pancration stuff and won a, you know, big fucking trophy in that. Pancration was weird. That was like this thing the Olympics was considering having briefly in the early 2000s. And it was like, it was MMA, but bare knuckle, but you couldn't punch the face. Because they didn't want the idea was well we don't want blood on camera, so you could like drop somebody and like kick them in the ribs as hard as you want, but as long as you didn't punch the face, it's like we're all good. <laughs> and so, yeah, I won that tournament. That was funny. Like I just I leg kicked this first guy so violently the first two or three minutes he couldn't get up after that, and then all my I was supposed to fight three guys in one day, and like they all pulled out after I beat the first guy. So I like left with this giant six foot trophy, even though I fought one guy for like 90 seconds. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, Damn. You know, Look yeah. at you go. Well, but you know, you, you know, my last, the last MMA fight I did, I didn't even want to do it. One of my friends was fighting and he's like, you should fight. They got a spot in the car. And I was like, all right, I guess. You know, I, it was the one time I ever fought where I wasn't nervous and I got choked out in like fucking 60 seconds. Like, you know, and I remember walking into the ring you know, you're in front of everybody, you're in your fucking underwear, you know? And I remember ducking under the ropes, saying to myself, what the fuck are you doing in here? You know, like my day job, I'm on a computer doing like this very technical artistic field. And like, I'm standing in my underwear about to fight this guy in front of like (laughs) a couple thousand people. Why are you doing that for like a hundred dollars? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You idiot. Um, But the fact that I was even thinking those thoughts, is why you shouldn't be in the ring at that moment. You know, like you for fighting for professional fighting, you either should be all in willing to die in there or don't do it. It's just not, you know, it's too crazy of a sport to be like, yeah, I just kind of do it sometimes. It's like, that's crazy. It's just one of those things, you know, it's like, it's like being a professional ski jumper. You know, those guys that do the ski jump in the Olympics and they go like fucking 300 feet. It's like, you can't halfway do that. You either go <laughs> down this massive thing and go or not at all. There's no like middle. It's too dangerous. You know, you could you could be sitting in there thinking like, I don't really want to do this. And then the guy head kicks you and you wake up three minutes. Later. I mean, it's it's insane. You, so. you wake up. That's fortunate enough. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen guys get really hurt. Um, you know, I've injured. I've certainly injured people. Um, but, you know, anyway, so, yeah, I got really into jiu-jitsu. You know, I'm a ranked black belt in jiu-jitsu, and, you know, I teach that pretty regularly. You uh, teach that. Mm. Yeah, I've taught that all over the place. I've taught – I taught – yeah, I mean, I've, I've been doing that for about 20 – I don't know, 23 years or so. I've probably been teaching it off and on for 15 almost, something Holy like that. Holy shit, do you have, like, a, like an academy, a school or something? Or? No, I've always just signed uh, – not, I shouldn't say signed up, but like anywhere I've lived, I've always ended up teaching somewhere. Like when I was in Asia, I was teaching at various gyms. You know, when I was in Vegas, I was teaching at a gym. And 
you know, LA, I was teaching at a gym. And, Shit. Uh, well, when you're in our city, let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got friends in Chicago and God, yeah, I haven't been to Illinois and fucking like 20 years. I've got family still years. there. My, my sister's there. Yeah. I'm very distant with my family though, which is kind of a bummer, but partially because I've tried, I've bounced around so much, but I don't have a very like close family structure in my in my family at all it's kind of sad actually <laughs> i'm always back at work uh like after these after the holidays because i do a lot of like video calls everyone's like yeah, everyone have a good time for christmas i'm like i was doing a kettlebell workout like on the porch you know like for my <laughs> for christmas like <laughs> <laughs> holy shit yeah Damn. i didn't see anybody I didn't see family or anything on Christmas, really. So. I have a friend who told me to ask you. She's vegan, and she's trying to get, like, bulk like you. Mm. I showed her, well, like, stop. videos, and she's like, yeah. damn, this guy stop has being, muscles. Stop being vegan, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll write that down, right? Yeah, stop step one, being vegan. vegan. Okay, and then? Um, well, for girls, it's less – I shouldn't say it's less important, but girls have different fitness goals. You know, for guys, she's trying to look opinion, like Hercules. Is, is she trying to be like yoked, or is she just trying to look? She's trying to be yoked. Oh well, yoked. Okay, she needs to really change shit up then. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, generally speaking, for a girl to be like slim or fit looking is a lot easier than a guy being like jacked. You know, because jacked is like okay, it's going to take years. Um, you know, and it's a lifetime of just, you know, it never can end. You have to constantly be moving some amount of weight around. Whereas being slim in tone is so much more achievable. It's about like losing weight. It's largely about your diet and then moving small amounts of weight around doing physical activities. And you can be fucking look like Cindy Crawford for 50 years like that, you know? Um, so it's way, way, way easier. And well, it depends what she wants to do. If, if truly, truly she wants to bulk up. First of all, vegan is not the way to go anyway for any reason. It's just horrible. Um, <laughs> You're torturing yourself. Yeah, it's, it's just insane. Um, I appreciate it from the standpoint of, but what about the animals? Like, I get that. It's a bulletproof argument. You know, I love animals. I don't want animals to suffer. But... Plants are animals too, though. They Well, they live. Not They're not animals, yeah. but they do live. You need to consume life. life. You need to consume yeah. life to live. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I would say, first of all, first of all, fix the diet. And um, if you truly want to bulk up, you need calories, you need saturated fats, you need animal protein. Um, Generally, I say a balanced diet is the best diet. You know, yes, have steak. Yes, have fish. Yes, have chicken. Yes, have vegetables, you know, in no particular order every single day. Um, as opposed to all like carnivore doesn't make any sense. Vegan doesn't make any sense. Those extremes are just too ridiculous. Um, again, Buddhist, the middle way <laughs> it is, uh, it's, it's also very unsustainable, <clears throat> excuse me. It's unsustainable a little bit like the keto stuff, you know, like my sister's a raw vegan, you know, like you, you can't even hang out with her. You're like nothing can't do anything you can't go to a restaurant she has to bring her food it's just this unsustainable crazy you know it's a raw vegan like what she can't touch anything or she can't eat anything that's been in the sun or what so she won't even like cook her food like she's whoa (laughs) yeah 
for her, for her, vegan is like too, you know, like she's another level. So holy <laughs> shit, we don't use butane and charcoal in this house. Dang. Yeah, she's um, but she's also got sort of an autoimmune issue, and the only thing that seems to have helped her out is having oh, okay. this very, very hardcore strict diet that she's on so okay what she what she what she does seems to work for her so that's good so she should do that how big how big what does she look like now and how big does she want to get um you know she she's actually really tall and she has like um big legs and everything like she has the muscle definitely what is she Um, 120 pounds i she i her height i think she's five two and i'm trying to remember her weight it was like a hundred and something I, i don't remember but she does look pretty. You can tell she works out, you know? Right. Well, does she want to look like one of those, like, yoked CrossFit bitches that are, like, they're all taking steroids, by the way, but... Um... I mean, perhaps not that extreme, but she definitely wants to just bulk up more. But well, her... I've told her before, I'm like, dude, you don't take enough rest like, days. Like, she copes with stress and stuff. Gym, gym, gym. And I'm like, ooh, that's also not good. <laughs> like, what, six-pack and fucking she wants, like, some bulk on her arms or what? Yeah, like, she wants... Okay, so it look like Ronda Rousey? I don't know who that is, but... <laughs> you don't know who Ronda Rousey is? Okay. He was famous like five years ago. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of who, who, who you would know now. What did she do for, uh, what did she do for her workouts? Um, a lot of weight stuff, so... Uh, like yeah, she'll use the fucking she barbell. Might, might she squats. Like, she she that, fucking, yeah. like, you know, does all that. And yeah. she's really good with form too. Like she'd be training people too. Like she's 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 good. You know she's about it. That's cool. Well, without seeing her or talking to her, then like number one is like fix the diet. You know she needs calories. She needs animal protein. There's animal protein just has way more benefits. Um, just you know, animal protein is just a more comp- complex protein than plant protein. Mm-hmm. You get saturated fats and you get amino acids. You get you know stuff that you just would never get eating animal products. Um, you know, the calcium and the vitamin D and everything is going to be good for you anyway. So you should probably do that. Um, and then after that, it's like, okay, if you really want to bulk up doing crazy cardio type workouts might not be the move because then you're burning, you know, so, you know, heavier, heavier weights, less, um, heavier weights, less aerobic activities. So start doing more cardio like that. Yeah. Like more Olympic lifting, you know, like, do your bench, do your squat, do your fucking trap bar, do your cleans, some of the CrossFit style workouts. I don't, I'm not a fan of CrossFit per se, because I don't like how they structure their, do as many fucking cleans as you can in 30 seconds where like you just blow your spine out and your asshole falls out. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, shit like that. I mean, she's probably doing all the right shit and look, she might even plateau at a certain point. And if I think that's what happened, yeah. So if she's doing all the right workouts and she's plateauing, she's got to change her diet. Number one, that's probably everything. And just start adding calories. Like I'd be, I'd be interested to know how many calories she's taking. And like, it's probably not very much because vegan, you know, like, I don't think so either. She tells me she's like, I had breakfast and a shake and like, that's it. What did she have for breakfast? Um, like a sandwich or something. She's eating bread. <laughs> I don't, okay, I don't, tomato. I don't know, but like, I'm like, really, that's how you eat, you know? But, yeah, but she's, Especially, she's not like tiny, you know what I mean? Like, she, she looks like she eats to bulk up, but like, it, it looks like she doesn't eat enough too. Yeah, yeah. she needs to eat. I'd be interested to know what she's eating, you know, like, because when a vegan says, well, but I just ate 
it's like well but what did you eat fucking like, grass fucking, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's you know the, the fact of the matter is the caloric value of a lot of the stuff vegans are eating is so much lower it's why like so like i'll, I'll talk to a vegan or my sister or whoever and they'll be like oh i just had a two pounds of vegetables i blended it into a shake and i had it for breakfast but like imagine saying you had two pounds of meat for lunch like you wouldn't even be able to move but like you can have two pounds of vegetable products and be like clang and then like go for a jog and you don't even feel it because there's so much less <laughs> nutritional value in that. I'm not saying that stuff's bad for you. It's just about balance. You know, she needs to, she needs to have, if right now she's consuming like 1500 calories a day, she should fucking jack that up to, you know, animal products at the very least fucking eggs and fish. Um, and, you know, try like 2,500 calories a day. Like, you know, if you're not eating more calories, how are you going to get bigger? It's, it's very, it's very difficult. Very, very so. true. I'll let her know. Thank you, man. Yeah. The <laughs> stuff I do, all the stuff I do is I, I'm actually not that strong relative to what people probably, if they see me, they're like, dude, but like really compared to like a weightlifter, I'm not that strong, um, but I move well. So like everything I do is about movement. Uh, for what I'm trying to be good at, which is fighting and jujitsu and stuff like that. So like I can move well, I can jump high. I'm very flexible. Um, but like, I can't lift 500 pounds off the floor. You know what I mean? Whereas like some big immobile fucking meathead, <sighs> they'll throw 300 pounds up over their fucking head. Like a savage. I, I can't do that shit. I'd fold it in half. Not, not, it's not, it's not what I'm good at. I noticed yeah. earlier that you don't drink alcohol. Why is that? Yeah, no particular reason. It's sort of embarrassing, actually, because I say that and people see me and they assume it's for some like fitness, like, uh, oh, it's because of your, you know, whatever, because <laughs> you work out or because you do jujitsu or were you training for something? It's like, I no, no, it was some religious. Like... Yeah, I'm like, no, I just never liked the taste of beer. So it's just like the lamest, like, I'd rather have Kool Aid. <laughs> Man, you know, it's not for health it's not for religion or any like interesting reason it's just uh never got into it when i was young and then by the time i was old enough maybe to get into it i just didn't have a taste for it whatsoever maybe like you know i also i hate club i don't go to clubs or bars like the opportunity for me to drink is basically zero um I like margaritas. I don't drink them, but like, I would love to have a margarita, I suppose. Um, if I was somewhere and they're like, Hey, you got to get a drink. What do you want? I'd be like, I'll get a margarita or something, but can't stand beer. I don't understand hard liquor. I'm just like, Ooh, that burns. Like, that's really not nice. <laughs> you know, can I get some grape juice or a soda? You know, like I just would rave rather. I'm like a four year old with like stuff I drink, you know? Dude, that's freaking yeah. awesome because it's just pushed upon, especially in men, that they have to drink, you know? Yeah, I'm expecting oh, a chug yeah. of fucking seven beers. Right. Yeah, my whole I can get away with is, it. Yeah, yeah you can get away is, with it. I hate yeah. beer, too. That shit tastes so gross. I I don't understand. There's no catch to it. Yeah. Yeah, for me, like, tasting good is, like, the bare minimum. Like, it's got to taste good. You know, if it tastes good, I'll kind of drink anything. But then it's like, well, it's so expensive. You know, so like in my refrigerator, I've got like, you know, tea. I'll give, I give myself like one energy drink a day, maybe like if I want to have an energy drink or something. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do soda maybe on the weekend only. 
Otherwise, it's like water and tea for the most part. My diet's pretty steady Monday through Friday. On the weekends, I go off the rails. I do my Chipotle and I'll have a fucking large pepperoni pizza and shit. But <laughs> like Monday through Friday, I'm pretty pretty stable. I'll do like zucchini and steak or like, Ooh. you know. Yeah. Speaking of the sips, are you a white monster guy? Um, I don't drink monster. Not for any particular reason. I'm pretty... Uh, uh, anything with taurine destroys my stomach. I can't even oh, okay. go near it. I don't know if it has taurine or not, but like if yeah. I have a Red Bull, oh my God, I can't even like <laughs> destroy. I get like horrible cramps. I'm like, <laughs> like horrible cramps in my stomach. I when can't you do drink it. what? And anything taurine. like Red Bull has taurine in it and monster, I think. Taurine? Well. Yeah. What's that? It's like a root, I don't know. I think, like, I think it's, it's a root. It's like, it, it's just, it, it's an ingredient found in a lot of energy drinks, um, and I can't do it. It just crushes me. It takes me like three days to recover from it. Like I'll be really cramped up. I'll be like, Ooh, like my kidneys hurt. I'm like, what does this root do? Like, what? What's yeah, the, I don't know. What do they add for? Nothing. Nothing good. So I'll do. Uh, Rain makes some pretty good ones, and Bang has uh, some pretty good ones. But I uh, recently tried to get into teas because i love teas i do feel that there is a, a ton of benefits in all types of herbal teas so i'm curious like what what kind of teas do you like to drink the one i like the most now that i'm back in the states i guess is um i just do <laughs> it's embarrassed to say uh sweet tea is my all-time favorite but i do like it's not um, embarrassing yeah, well, it's not like the Eastern, like, well, this one makes you, you know, ooh, yes, yeah, so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's the sugary, shitty American version of tea. It's, uh, uh, okay. but it's, um, I do the, I do the real brew sweet tea, so it's cane sugar and uh, tea leaves. It's, it's quite good. Any any time possible, I always try to use real sugar for for stuff, or like cane sugar or something, as opposed to like high fructose corn syrup. Oh yeah. <laughs> which is just death liquid. It's like never good for you. It's true. Agreed. It's no bueno. No me gusta. My computer fucking shut down. Uh That's because you never plugged it in. I never plugged (laughs) it in. (laughs) What is it? Doesn't work without the charger? Yeah, you know, it has a battery. (laughs) These things tend to run out. Um, It didn't tell me. It was low battery, dude. It's supposed to give me a notification. (laughs) We've, you've been using it for Two plus hours. How long do you think a battery lasts? Well, that's true. We have been going for a couple hours. <laughs> like three? Jesus. Anyways. So what, you ran out of questions or all your questions are on this computer? You don't. You can't go off the top of your head? No, I can't, dude. <laughs> all right. I guess I can. Well, I know she wanted to challenge me on free will a little oh, bit. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you got to definitely run us through that. What, yeah. What's your stance here? Um, well, my stance is the same as most people who, well, if you ask your average neuroscientists or whatever at this point, for decades, the consensus has been that there's no such thing as free will. It's not even a controversial stance, really, until you just start talking to random people, because everyone obviously feels like they have free will, um, and so they're like, but I decided to have the Pepsi. How is that not my free will? <laughs> um, but you don't realize how ridiculous of a thought that is until you've, uh, he's trying so hard not to show his face. Do it. Look at the camera. 
Take this. I thought they were going to choke me. I was like, man, Juju, please. You're seeing this. <laughs> now wait till there's no witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> Not on camera. Um, Otherwise, that's 25 to life. <laughs> I got shit to do. Hold on. All right. Now you can charge. Perfect. Sorry, what were you saying? So why why don't I have free will if I decide to choose a Pepsi? Well, for a few reasons. Um the first the first most easy, the easiest one to grasp generally is determinism which is the, the whole idea of determinism is everything that has ever happened up to this moment makes you who you are of course so um very obvious examples of this would be if you grow up in Afghanistan did you choose to be muslim well no, because you grew up in an Islamic state. Of course, you're Muslim. You know? <laughs> um, a person growing up in North America, even if they're not religious, who has some type of spiritual awakening, that will manifest itself into Christianity, of course, because North America is a Christian, um, you know, the United States is a Christian country. North America is a Christian continent. Um, so you could say, well, I chose Christianity, but not really everyone around you was a Christian. The only, you know, like for, for example, <laughs> even if you use Jesus as an example, um, I, I happen to not believe he's the Messiah, but you know, Jesus was a person who had a spiritual experience and that only could have manifested itself in the only way possible, which was in the Hebrew doctrine. It, it couldn't have manifest, manifested itself in the Hindu doctrine or any other Eastern spiritualism or in Egyptian religion, because where would that have come from? He was around Hebrew doctrine. So that's how it manifested itself. Um, and so it's like that for everything. Um, you could say, why does somebody on the East Coast like fish, but someone growing up in Illinois doesn't eat nearly as much fish? Is that because you don't like fish or is that because you didn't grow up on a coast? You know, people in Japan eat tons of seafood <laughs> and like seafood because they grew up eating it. Um, so determinism makes you who you are because, of course, it does. How you were raised, how, you know, the way your father raised you and the way your mother raised you form it formed your brain and all the opinions that you have made and are going to make. That's true. We could have environmental um, factors as to why we become who we are. But what about when we reach a certain level of self-awareness? Like I grew up Catholic. I don't have a choice, but because of education, I've been able to explore other thoughts of religion and then form an opinion, a different opinion that wasn't, that's contrary to the way I was raised. Yep. Right. Yeah. So two responses to that. So the first is you already answered your own question. You said through education, I now have other da, 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 da. So the education that you were exposed to changed your mind about Catholicism, right? So had you not had that experience and had you continued to be surrounded by Catholicism and that was continually reinforced, you never would have had any other type of awakening, but you were exposed to other thoughts that were meaningful to you. Well, and so now you change your thought on Catholicism. No, I, w I would argue I have always questioned Catholicism, even when I wasn't introduced to different thoughts. Um, mm. 
so it's because I had this natural natural curiosity and I didn't just buy into shit that that's when, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I was able to question more, right? And that's my, that's a, that would be an example of freedom, no? Freedom of choice. I wasn't yeah. just so, taught. Yeah. Like, no, I went out and saw it different perspectives so yeah so the first line of argument which is the easiest one to talk about is determinism after that which is the real motherfucker is when you really start getting into neuroscience um so for decades and decades people know you know if we hooked you up to a ekg machine and asked you a series of questions or told you to pick certain things you would see clearly on the machine that your brain is making a choice before you know you're about to make the choice. So your brain decides first, and then you become aware of the choice second. So in, in every choice you ever think you're making, whether it's, do I want chocolate ice cream or do I want to have man juju on the podcast? Your brain is making the decision. And then your prefrontal cortex is being made aware of that after the fact. So the brain decides first, and then you go along with it. To the point where you'll even conflate excuses for why you even made a choice. But the choice was made long before that even happened. And one of my favorite examples, and if you haven't done meditation, it's not intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things about doing meditation is you start becoming much more aware of this than you would have otherwise. But um, if if you can sit and really pay attention to where thoughts come from. You'll, you'll realize that you are not the author of those thoughts. And an example of that would be if I just said, think of a city. Don't tell me what it is. Just think of a city. Now, it doesn't even matter what you're about to choose. The interesting thing about this is when Manjuju says, think of a city, the next thing that happens is, is your brain submits to you some few cities to think about. Maybe it says Chicago, maybe it says Arlington Heights, maybe it says North Carolina. Um, The point is you were not the author of those two or three to pick from. Your brain gave you those to pick from. And we also know that that's true because if it wasn't, then that would mean you're able to think things before you thought them. And that's obviously... Well, sure, we we can always have that voice in the back of their in the back of our heads that you know suggest an idea right but we can always choose to stop and think before we act out on it right and that's freedom of choice i would say mm. and this yes, is why I mean, self-awareness is very important because a lot of people we just act and we don't think it through right i and usually, i'm guilty of it myself yeah, usually you, know? you are <laughs> acting before you think about it when you can achieve i think self-awareness is the key to having um freedom of choice because that's when you can actually think shit through and make yeah. a better decision, right? Yeah. But the problem the problem is, and again, it's not intuitive, is that you're taking credit thinking that Lana is taking credit. It is my Lana. decision. <laughs> what is it again? Lane. Lane. Oh, Lane. I like, said Lana. Like, like Lois Lane. <laughs> Lane. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to call you everything except that. Right. Uh, Lane, Lane, Lily. Lane. Woman. <laughs> Lily. Listen, lady. Yeah, listen. Uh, listen, Karen. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Um, you, you, neither am I. I. I am not in a position to be responsible for my thoughts. Even when you, 
So we we know your brain is coming up with those choices first. What part of the brain does that? That chooses first before the prefrontal? Well, I, I usually break the brain up into three. Well, without getting too complicated, I usually break the brain up into three. I don't want to get too in the weeds. Three major sections of the brain from sure. back to front. So your brain in, evolved from the back to the front. So the back is your lizard brain, let's say. The middle is where all the crazy shit happens, the dopamine, the serotonin, why you feel attracted to somebody. Your brain makes you think you like chocolate because it's releasing dopamine. When you have chocolate, when I see my girl's ass and I go, ooh, that's nice. That's not me choosing that. That's my midbrain releasing chemicals because my eyes are attached specifically to my brain, to my left hemisphere saying we like this. It's not me literally deciding that I like, you know, like, why do I like that? But I don't like really big girls, but my friend likes really big girls. Like we didn't choose to like these things. Your brain has decided that for you um, or your, and, or your culture and a million other things. And then what evolved last, which is the youngest is our prefrontal cortex, which is the front. So sure. even sure. in, even in order of evolution, that is how your thoughts essentially form. It goes back, middle, front, um, you're sure. the most extreme example of that is like your lizard brain. Um, you're not thinking about your heartbeat. You're not thinking about your circulatory system. All of those things are happening, you know, without you doing anything uh, whatsoever. So when we know, if I say, think of a city, we know that some number of cities are going to literally appear in your consciousness and you did not author those. We know you didn't author those. Um, and you're not free to choose that which didn't occur to you to choose. So now you have to choose between the three that your brain gave you and you didn't ask your brain which ones to pick. It will just give you, I, it could be pick an animal, pick a drink, pick anything. And so now you've, now let's say you've got three choices and you go, ah, I've got three choices now. Shit. Which one am I going to pick? And now you get rid of one. You go, no, I don't want that one. Want that one. And then you might even change your mind and go, oh, no, I do want that one. I do want that one. Fuck. I'm really going to figure this out. At the moment of your choosing, you're still not responsible for that. Your brain, not you, not Lane, got it this time, uh, is, is making that decision for you first, which we know because if we hook you up to an EKG machine, we will see your brain choose Chicago or Arlington Heights. And then you will say, I have chosen Arlington Heights. But that, that eureka moment, I comes sometimes seconds later than when your brain actually chose it. Okay, um, so let me see if I got this right. You think that the first um, area that um, decision-making uh, goes to is that lizard part of the brain, right? Well, that's a, you know, a bit of an exaggeration. So the lizard part of your brain doesn't really make any decisions. No, it's I get you, complete. but that's where like the first thought you know, or solution kind of arises and then it goes through steps, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would basically say that your midbrain um, which is responsible for your sort of chemical interactions. So how you feel about something, which is a huge, has a huge impact on decisions you make and choices you make. Um, where does serotonin come from? Where does dopamine come from? Why do I feel in love? Why do I feel like I'm loving this person? It's because oxytocin is being released into your body and you're being flooded with those feelings which your brain decided you you are not in control of what hormone your brain is going to release you have no we control are. Maybe to some extent like we can control that based on our diets 
um meditation practice drug use there's like there's a lot of ways that we can alter this right so it's not entirely out of our control you can alter it after the fact you're still you're still never in the driving the driver's seat it's very i know it's counterintuitive and it's almost depressing when people think about it sometimes um but if we know your brain is choosing first and we know you're not authoring the choices you're making and we know determinism is real and if all of those things are true, which they are, then where is your free will? It's, it's not even that you have any free will. It's you don't even have the illusion of free will. It feels like you do because you feel like you're driving the car, but you are not driving that car. And if you get in a car accident tomorrow, the lane that you think you are, anything that happens to your brain will completely change who you are because you're not you. You are your brain and your brain is driving the car at all times. Well, why would you separate the brain the brain from yourself? Like the brain can and is me. <laughs> well, I would say uh, you are your brain. You are the manifestation of the chemical reaction of your brain. So, if your brain decides to be depressed because of whatever chemical reaction it's having, you you Lane will be depressed, not because you chose to be. Just like you won't choose to be happy 20 minutes from now, you will be 20 minutes from now, you will be however you're going to be. And you can't choose how that's going to be. You can use fitness and diet and meditation. Well, you can use fitness and diet and meditation and everything to increase the likelihood of some type of well-being. But that is not the same as being in the driver's seat of deciding when I go out on this date tonight. I'm going to have a lot of oxytocin going through my body because we're doing something very novel. And he wore the kind of cologne that I like, which made me feel even nicer. And all of those things are things that happen second, not first. And so you can improve the quality of your, yeah, go ahead. The um, free will, I think arises from self-awareness. So yes, you can be depressed, but you can acknowledge it and be like, Oh shit. I'm depressed. And then you can, you have a choice. Like I either have to buckle down, do something about it or stay depressed. Sure. We're all, I do. I, I do think that we're always going to have like programmed, uh, thoughts and behaviors, things that in some way are, 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 are out of our control. But with self-awareness, we can look, we can kind of like leave outside our bodies and then look at ourselves and then choose differently, if that makes any sense. It's not that you're not choosing. You still make choices and those choices matter. But you're just, you're just not the author of that choice. I mean, you know, for every time you say, I'm going to choose to be self-aware and therefore make another decision. But you didn't choose that. You didn't choose that moment. You didn't choose to do it that time, but not the previous time. Um, th- there are a million things <laughs> that will make you want to do it that time, but not the next time or vice versa that you are not in control of. And so even when you finally decide on, I'm going to be very self-aware today uh, and I'm going to do this thing at the, at the moment of that decision, that is still not you deciding it's your brain deciding first, and then you being aware of the decision second. And it's tough because even even when I say these things and I know I know that um, and I know that they're true, I still feel like I'm choosing. I feel I feel. But again, you have to go. But I feel it, it's that word feel that fucks everything up. 
yes, I feel like I'm making that decision first, but I know I am not responsible for that. My brain decided to do all of that beforehand. And then when you, what, what's really interesting too, is when you really get into more of neuroscience, it starts getting really wild. So you have a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere and they're attached with a little piece of, let's say tissue. And for the most part, so I'm, I'm left-handed. I'm particularly right brain dominant in a way that most people aren't. I'm almost entirely ambidextrous. I'm left-handed for a lot of detailed things. Um, most of the things, so your speech is controlled by your left hemisphere. So your right hemisphere doesn't get to talk. Only your left hemisphere gets to talk. Remind me what but the two hemispheres do again. One of them is creative side and the other is more like analytical. Yeah. Which side yeah, is? So the, the right side tends to be more creative and the left okay. side tends to be more analytical and will lie constantly to come up with solutions because the left hemisphere literally hates to not know the answer to something. So it will come up with anything rather than nothing. Um, and so you can test these things. So if you want to know what someone's left hemisphere is thinking, you ask them and then they'll speak and speech is controlled by the left hemisphere. So now you know what the left hemisphere is thinking. You can actually take people, this is where it gets crazy. You can take people who either naturally have that detached and they don't have that as a defect, or you can detach it intentionally and perform this test you can ask them a question and have them answer that question with their left hand with blocks that have letters on them and they'll spell out the answer. They can't use speech because their left hemisphere is detached. They can't talk. They only, so your left hand is controlled by your right hemisphere. So if you want to know what the right hemisphere, now this is what's amazing. Think about this. We've severed that little connection. So the left hemisphere can no longer block the right hemisphere from saying anything. We ask you a question and we, we, we say, use your left hand to answer. Now, the left hemisphere is out of the equation. The right hemisphere is answering the question now. And they've done this with people. And they'll ask somebody who just graduated college, what do you want to do for a living after you graduate? And they will say with their mouth, I want to be an accountant. And they go, great. Snip. They ask them the same question. Now answer the question, spelling the answer out with your left hand using these blocks with letters on them. And the right hemisphere will say, this is an actual response, by the way. I want to be a race car driver, which is insane. So now the right hemisphere is a person, is a personality Mm -hmm. with its own thoughts, its own dreams, its own everything. And it wants to be a fucking race car driver. But the left hemisphere, when hooked up, has the ability to block those, I shouldn't say block, I should say filter, can filter the right hemisphere, which is why most people are left brain dominant, which also means they're, most people tend to be less creative on average. Most people aren't left-handed overwhelmingly. Um, and the things you're saying, you're saying because your left hemisphere is responding, not your right hemisphere. And so it's wild when you really dive into it that not only do you not have a say-so in what your personality is going to be or in what order things will be chosen, um, you actually are also walking around with a completely different person that is just stuck in this (laughs) universe where it can't even express itself inside of your brain. And if it could, you would be a different person, which is fucking fucking crazy. That is Um, wild. Yeah. And that's not like a weird fringe thing. There are people walking around with that defect and 
the right hemisphere will act out as a separate person with the left hand, push people away that it loves, punch their wife, choose a different dress to wear to work that day. They'll grab it with their right hand and the left hemisphere will move that hand out of the way and grab the other dress because it wants to wear the other dress. Mm -hmm. And so in people like that, you go, well, where, where is, where is lame in this is lame the left side or the right side. And you know, when you really dive into this stuff, you realize you are only what your brain has decided to be or filter or not filter or, you know, and uh, yeah, it's pretty fucking wild. (laughs) Sorry. That is wild. Yeah, the only reason I know any of that is actually from an episode of House. That's where most mm. of my medical information <laughs> comes from, is from TV. <laughs> but yeah, they had an episode where a guy, he was basically punching his wife, and they figured out that mm. it was his uh, right hemisphere that was doing yeah. it. And um, for some reason, that, yeah. that hemisphere had resentment towards her. Yeah. Well, I would say all of those parts are of the brain are you, right? And it's like, when I think of my free will or who I am, it's not necessarily, we well, yeah, the body too, but I am my brain. I don't know. I think, I think we're wrapped up in the pretty thought that we can just change at any point. That's true. It is, it is hard to change. So you got a point there. That's why I'm a biological determinist. <laughs> I just believe that you're just stuck as it is for the rest. Yeah. Of I mean, life. I, I, you know, Sam Harris always brings up the example of, you know, isn't he the, a racist? Yeah. Um, this idea that I'll, I'll, well, I'll just be self-aware and change is, I'm not saying that there, I'm, don't confuse the fact that I'm, I'm not saying choices don't matter or that you shouldn't care what you choose or that you shouldn't work on any of these things. Um, but, you know, the example he gave in a lecture one time was, you know, if you could change places with Saddam Hussein, Adam for Adam, experience for experience, you would be Saddam Hussein. There's there's no special part of you that could stop any of that from happening. You would have grown up exactly as he did, atom for atom as he did, chemical for chemical as he did. And at no point in that journey would you ever have been able to say, but now I'm going to really think about this and be self-aware and not be Saddam Hussein. You just would be Saddam Hussein. There's nothing you could do about it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean, you know... It, doesn't mean if you did bad things in the past, you can't reflect, make better decisions. You can choose to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. You are feeling like you're choosing these things. Technically, that's not true, but it does matter. Even though it's an illusion, it does matter what you're choosing to do, of course. So. Okay, so if we were to accept this as, as um, like, officially everybody agrees on this, how would this look like in the real world? Like, should we then treat... Um, criminals the way that we do yeah. like how do we no we'd have we to change then? we'd have to change our whole legal system yeah like, you no longer yeah, have yeah. free will yeah the legal system is shit i have a lot of thoughts on that but um one one of the upsides of sort of uh again buddhism comes into play here in my opinion but um once you accept the fact that people aren't necessarily responsible for, for their finish line, you know, then, then you realize, well, the only real purpose of prison really is just retribution. And that's not very ethical. You know, it's even if someone did something bad, really the goal should be finding out why that happened and fixing that person, 
you know, because if a child did it, you would try and fix that child. But when an adult does it, you go, well, fuck that guy, cut his balls off, throw him in prison. I hope he gets raped by a thousand men. It's this very unbelievably unethical way of thinking about human beings um, in a way that you wouldn't do it if they were four, you know, but we do it with adults because we don't care about adults. Fuck adults. They're pieces of shit. Um, again, in order to have that opinion, you have to really judge somebody um, and judge them, you know, harshly. Um, I think it'd be much more productive for everybody if we fixed people instead of punished people, you know, even though that's not, you know, if, some, if a drunk driver kills your wife, what you want to do is punish that person. But really, we just need that person not to drink anymore. That's really the long term benefit you know taking that person out of their home who but may or may not be work the... if they don't have free will what do you mean you said well we have to help them uh not drink anymore but you claim that they don't have free will so how would they stop if they don't have free will well you don't but that doesn't mean you can't send them to go to therapy or alcoholics anonymous or if they're addicted to heroin put them on something else and get them chemically addicted to something else to get them off of that. Um, you still live in a country with laws. You still have doctors that have things that work. You know, the fact that we don't technically have free will, again, doesn't mean, and I use this word loosely, it doesn't mean you want to choose bad things. You still choose, <laughs> you still choose good things to do and hopefully things that will improve your quality of life and the life of people around you. Um, even though it's your brain making that choice and not necessarily you authoring that choice. <laughs> so like with the example you gave of the alcoholic, um, that person naturally has an addictive personality. And so right. now you need to find other outlets for them to express their addictive personality because they'll just find something self-destructive like alcohol, like gambling, collecting stamps. If you just get them to collect stamps and that becomes their new addiction, they'll just be fully engulfed in it. But at least it's a lot safer than yeah. a lot, drinking. A lot of people that have those addictive personalities, they'll swap one addiction for another. And if, right. if you could swap okay. a if you could swap a very dangerous addiction with a less dangerous addiction, that would be a move in the right direction. Maybe not perfect, but better than where they were. And that's a you know a positive move, of course. Why do we call it addictive? Why don't we just call it passionate? <laughs> You're passionate. I'm passionate about heroin, guys. You really like this heroin. What the fuck? I mean, you know, it's great. Yeah, like maybe they're just very passionate people. But uh, yeah, your free will video did, did change my mind a little bit. I'm uh, like a 60% nature <laughs> over nurture type of person. Mm. So I naturally gravitated towards... Uh, you know, some of what you were talking about with the free will stuff. When you said, uh, think of a certain city, first city that popped in my head was Chicago. And I was all like, ah, oh, he got me, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, it's also, you know, I, I, mean, I like the expression, you know, are you free to choose that which did not occur to you to choose? Mm -hmm. Of course not. So, um, yeah, I mean, part of the part of the reason I broke that video down into chunks is because there's everyone argues it from a few different ways. There's but my environment. There's but what about quantum physics? There's but what about neuroscience? And there's but what about God? And there's really no other genetics one. too. What's that? Genetics yes, too. This is the neural. Yeah, your biology. Yeah, for sure. Um, You're racist. You, you, 
either way, you're not driving any of those ships, unfortunately. Um, yeah. It's, it's very difficult. You know, one of the things that becomes very interesting on that subject is if you do meditate, it helps you pay attention to where thoughts come from because it's not you ever. And the more, <laughs> the better you get at meditating and the longer you can sit there, like, why are you thinking about a loaf of bread all of a sudden and then a porcupine and then, and, and then your car? I mean, why are any of these things popping into my head? Why are my hands up right now? Why did I put these rings on instead of a different set? I mean, it, it never, it never ends. Um, and it sometimes can be very funny if you're meditating because you have the, the big, here's the, the biggest challenge with meditating is your brain is going to put things in front of you and you have to get rid of it. And then you're silent for a minute, not even a minute. It won't be a minute. And then all of a sudden you're thinking about the video game you were playing and you go, fuck, and you get that out of the way. And all of a sudden you're thinking about your girl's tits and you go, fuck, and you get that out of the way. And all of a sudden you think about a bologna sandwich and you go, why? I don't even like bologna sandwiches. Fuck. And you push that away. And it just becomes this battle between you, whatever that means, and your brain, which is just this lunatic inside of you controlling everything and randomly pulling levers of what to think and say and feel and whatever. And, uh, it can be pretty, pretty funny, enlightening, but also very funny. You know, you're just having this sparring section with this insane lunatic in your head who's driving this ship into the rocks for no reason. <laughs> How often do you meditate? I don't meditate that much anymore since I left Asia, unfortunately. Again, it's one of those things where it's like when you're there, for me, it was very easy to do. Um, and then I got back into the chaos of American life and I don't do it very much anymore um i i spent a solid year um studying buddhism with monks um in southeast asia um, which was pretty cool so at, at least i was meditating every day when i was doing that and then specifically on like saturdays when i was going to like the buddhist counseling um that would be a little more hardcore where you're really trying to do some work or you're at least you're studying buddhism or whatever you're doing at the time which is pretty interesting. So what's the future now for Manjuju? Fuck, it's been a crazy couple of years. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm staying with a family member at the moment. I'm trying to buy a house. I got to do taxes for my company, which is why I'm sort of stranded at the moment. Um, I got to do like my quarterly taxes for my business. And once I do that, which will be in like two more weeks, and then I'm going to be able to talk to my mortgage specialist. Finally, I'll get pre-approved for a few different things. And I'm going to try and buy a house in a different state. And so I'll be house shopping for the foreseeable future, I hope. And then I'll go there and then that'll be good. I'll finally be able to, you know, I've been here like a couple, almost two months. So, you know, it's not fun crashing at someone's place, freeloading. So it'll be nice to be in like, you know, my own house and have all my stuff set up and I want to have a nice studio again for my YouTube and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. so what's YouTube? What's the future with your YouTube now? Now that you're almost fucking banned and shit, what are, what are you going to do about it? Well, those strikes, they time out. So you, if you get three strikes in six months, they nuke your channel. Um, so I've got two. I'd have to double check to see uh, when my next one expires. If hopefully not, that long so if i can go like a month or two without getting another strike which i will i will try to do i will try to do um i like you know 
I don't like the way the censorship is going on YouTube, but it's clearly the best platform, uh, sure. unfortunately. So, you know, I want to stay on YouTube. I like the comment section on YouTube. You know, I like, you know, it's a, look, it's a great app. It's a great platform. So hopefully I can stay there. But in the meantime, I'm going to use that also to drive stuff to my rumble just as a emergency back backup. If all of this goes away, I'll probably never do another one. This is like my third, my third one. It gets exhausting. You know? They can't hear that. Then they'll be after you. <laughs> yeah, I know. So if this goes away, ah, man, it's going to be hard to uh, find the energy to do like a fourth uh, social media channel. And because, you know, even in the best, best case scenario, you know, it's always a year before you get like any real, you know, it's still, still a tiny channel. I've got a couple of thousand followers. But again, I always try and think about it like, if I was on stage and there were 2000 people in front of me listening to me talk, that's a lot of people. So it's not small. So respect that number, try and grow it. And, you know, eventually that'll hopefully be three and five and 10. And, you know, you just keep going and going and going. I don't know. Holy shit. You know try, and, try and grow it as big as I can. Same like you guys. You guys are just starting out. So it's awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, Thank you so much, man, Juju. It's been a pleasure having you. We're sorry, we My totally pleasure. dragged you on. <laughs> no, it's no problem. It's actually funny because nobody um, randomly in the last week, I got like three people asking me to do like these cool nice. podcast things. Sick, yeah, really? One guy. Yeah. yeah, randomly. No one ever. And then three in like seven days. And I was like, like, pretty random. So I don't know if I'll do the other ones or not. We'll see. But uh, yeah, this was the first one that actually panned out. Cool. Holy shit. We're, we're happy that yeah, we chose we're us. the first ones, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I like the the Rittenhouse one you guys had. I liked all the stuff Lang was saying and your crazy friend who was even pissing me off, but also was nice. And then, uh, so yeah, I thought the conversation was good. I think you guys got a nice uh, podcast going. When you guys are done posting this, let me know and I'll put the video up and I'll put out your uh, podcast on my channel as well. For sure. Before no, you, you go, uh, let our listeners know where they can find you. Oh, good question. Well, just about anywhere. You just search Manjuju. You go to YouTube, you type in Manjuju. Uh, now I'm also on Rumble. Same thing. Just type in Manjuju and you will find me. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, well, best of luck to you, dude. You're fucking awesome. Keep going. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. We'll keep in touch. It'd be nice to talk again sometime. The basic case against free will is this. You feel like you're a thinker of thoughts. You feel like you're the, the, the author of intention. Uh, the problem with that is, objectively, we know that everything that you're consciously aware of, all your thoughts and your intentions and your impulses, and your impulses to, to resist those impulses, we know that's all preceded by events in your nervous system of which you're not aware and which you didn't create. The, and the, the state of your brain in this moment, it's in every sense is the product of variables that you are not responsible for. You know, if, if I can predict what you're going to do before you're aware of what you're going to do, well, then the basis for free will seems to go out the window.